0: This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1745.
1: Previews! You got it on Wednesday, and it was like about it going to the volume up. These guys will talk about it, everything that keeps love. One case of laser beams, a beam, like the seasons on everything.
0: I'm Ian Levenstein.
2: And I'm Adam Burdo.
0: deep. Dancing in my chair.
2: Alright, well, it's that time of the month again, folks. And we go through that previews catalog to unearth all the gems that appeal to our uh, refined sensibilities and uh, hopefully some things that uh, you'd like to hear about, too. And uh, you, you've got a two-man crew here of uh, Ian and myself for this episode.
0: <laughs> Usually winds up that way at some point on a previous episode, so we might as well just do it from the start.
2: Yeah, you've noticed that pattern, have you, Ian?
0: <laughs> but of course, but of course, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm ready, willing, and able, sir.
2: All right, I'm all three of those things too, Ian, and I'm happy to be able to walk the long miles with you once again.
0: Excellent. And, of course, as part of our previews episodes, who are we sponsored by?
2: Well, we're sponsored by the good people at the Discount Comic Book Service. Uh, Their website is dcbservice.com. They are the home of uh, excellent deep discounts. That's all new Marvel, DC Image, and Dark Horse single-issue comics are automatically 40% off with special deals monthly. Uh, taking those discounts a bit further on certain select items to 50% off, or in certain rare and precious occasions, 75% off. Uh, All new hardcovers and trade paperbacks from DC and Marvel are also automatically 50% off. They have these special bundle deals that they do, in which you have the chance to buy a whole raft of different comics with a common thread to them, either part of a single storyline or from a, a single publisher or imprint. Uh, you can buy the entire lot of them for 50% off the lot. Uh, DC always does a whole bunch of different bundles for their various imprints while such imprints still exist. For example, Vertigo, there's a bundle for that. Uh, Wonder Comics, there's a bundle for that. DC Kids, there's a bundle for that. There's also a Marvel Fresh Start and Legacy bundle and, uh, just a variety of other little special 50% off deals that we'll be mentioning here and there as we go through the catalog in the course of this episode. Uh, In addition to that, uh, you also have the choice of uh, choosing the frequency of your shipments from DCBS, whether uh, weekly or biweekly or monthly or so on, Uh, and you get to choose uh, how they're going to be bagged and boarded. Uh, For a little extra money, you can choose from a variety of different grades of bags and boards to protect your comics in transit from DCBS to you, and uh, they're also well known at uh, DCBService.com for their excellent customer service. If anything is ever wrong with one of your monthly or weekly or biweekly shipments, uh, you have only to let them know, and uh, one of the folks over there will take care of you in short order. We've all been dealing with them for years. We swear by their service, and uh, we hope that all of you will consider giving them your custom as well. So once again, the website is dcbservice.com for your online comic book pre-ordering needs.
0: And uh, I may very well be using their sister site, instocktrades.com, soon to uh, buy a bunch of stuff that I've been putting off.
2: Ooh, excellent. <laughs> How large a stack of trades are we talking?
0: Uh, I mean, I, I like to get the free shipping when I can. So uh, it, it may not be this month, but if not, uh, then it will be next month. Where I'll, I'm going to try to get myself as high to that uh, to that free shipping marker as I can. So hopefully at least six or seven books. We'll see.
2: All right. By all means, take advantage. Mm-hmm.
0: All righty. So previews, previews, previews.
2: Yep, this is catalogue number 370, stuff that we'll be shipping in September. And the good folks at uh, the previous catalogue, Diamond Distribution, etc., they're um, jumping on the uh, Halloween train here, uh, making sure that their Halloween promotions are known to the people uh, in time to pre-order them for uh, the following month of October. And so in this catalogue, we can find uh, some of their Halloween comic fest offerings. This is pages uh, 32 through uh, 43.
0: Yeah, it's always nice when it's, uh, you know, almost 100 degrees in in New York, where suddenly <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, soon it'll be October, and things will be a lot cooler.
2: Well, it's simulating the conditions inside of a very stuffy, full-body Halloween costume nicely, I think.
0: <laughs> good point, good point.
2: Uh, I know which end of the horse I feel like right now.
0: <laughs> Is it a pantomime horse?
2: <laughs> but of course. <laughs> In joke, folks, it's a Matt <laughs> joke, no less.
0: <laughs> oh boy! Well, there's a, there's some there's some some pretty good uh, uh, free offerings uh, from a bunch of different publishers uh, this time around. Uh, Aftershock Comics uh, has uh, has offerings. Aspen, Dark Horse, uh, DC has both deceased number one uh, as as an offering. So if anybody wants to uh, get in on the ground floor of their take on the Marvel zombies. Uh, then uh, this is a good place to do that for free. And also uh, a special edition of the Secret Spiral of Swamp Kids slash Black Canary uh, Ignite Halloween Comic Fest special edition. So it's probably just going to take portions from those graphic novels and, uh, and put them together as sort of a, a
2: sample packaging
0: for the folks out there.
2: Mm-hmm. So IDW's got a Sonic the Hedgehog comic. Yep. We've got also
0: some manga represented from uh, Kadansha Comics and uh, and my uh, my buddies over at Vertical Comics uh, have a uh, Baka Managatari manga sampler. So a whole bunch of uh, stuff from, uh, from one of their new series about a high school student, Koyomi Araragi, who catches a girl named Hitagi when she trips. But to his surprise, she doesn't weigh anything at all. She says a crab took away all her weight.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is sounding like a manga premise. Oh, you're
0: damn right, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Unique Studios is on uh, on the uh, on the end of the uh, the listing on page 35 as well. I, I that's got to be a newbie because I've never heard of Unique before.
2: Looks like got- so it's got kind of an African flavor to it.
0: Yep, Ianu Child of Wonder, Chapter One. So some uh, some some good uh, good offerings. And Marvel also has uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man number zero, uh, Iron Man: The Road to Iron Man twenty twenty, uh, which is Dan Slott's run, and uh, Ghost Rider: King of Hell number one, as well as Star Wars: Boba Fett number one.
2: Yeah, there's some real treats in there, and those are just the full size comics. Yep. Eight or two later on, there are even a few uh, mini comics. You know, sized for those little plastic pumpkins the kiddies are going to be carrying around. <laughs> And there's some good offerings there, too. We've got Archie's Madhouse. We've got DC's Superhero Girls. We've got Underdog. Underdog! So, yep, there's no need to fear. Um, there's there's some uh, manga involved there, too, because we've got Pokemon Adventures from Viz. Uh, some Musagi Yojimbo from its new home, IDW. And um, um, a favorite of mine, which I think is also going to be a favorite of the kids, because it, it, it's a popular show these days, in Nickelodeon Loud House Comics.
0: Yes, indeed. Well, good offerings all around.
2: Mm-hmm. And if you want, you can even get yourself a Comic Fest t shirt.
0: <laughs>
2: on page 41.
0: I think I have too many t shirts to begin with, but uh anybody else can go ahead and go ahead and get that for me.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: <laughs> all right. And then straight on from there,
2: over to image. Alright, let it begin. Okay.
0: And image begins with uh A new Matt Fraction offering, which immediately makes me happy. (laughs) November, book one of three, written by Matt Fraction with art by Elsa Charitier. The lives of three women intersect in a dark criminal underground as fire and violence tears through their city over the course of a single day and night. They find that their lives are bound together by one man who seems to be the cause of it all and uh one of one of three uh books being offered and uh, this is the first and two more to come after this
2: yep really all you need here there is fraction if we're being honest yeah that's that's, that's the badge of quality um although the other thing I heard that's uh, staying my hand here is hardcover mm. that is indeed what this is uh, now granted uh it is uh, one of the 50 percent off specials at uh, dcpservice.com, so it'll only set you back eight forty nine for this first of three hardcover volume. they're yeah. uh, all the same. I think I'll, I'll wait and see if they give it to us in paperback
0: yeah, fair enough. Uh, I, I think I think I may very well wind up waiting for them all for all three to be collected into uh, into a larger hardcover. Because if I am going to mm. go hardcover, I may as well just get it all.
2: Another good strategy. And if they eventually do collect them all into a single hardcover, maybe they'll also collect them all into a single self-cover. Exactly. <laughs> they take five years, but probably worth the wait. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: and uh, on the uh, immediate pages after this Matt Fraction uh, uh, comic is FSFSX Safe Sex Number One, uh, writer Tina Horn with art by Michael Dowling. They're Comparing this to sex criminals uh, in, in, the, uh, in the way that they go about uh, sex, love, and torture, but it's, uh, it looks like, looks like a very different uh, setting than, than what we got in, the, in sex mm. criminals, so I'm, I'm intrigued.
2: Yep, like sex criminals by way of Orwell, which is fairly intriguing, I have to say.
0: Yes, indeed. Good way to put
2: that. Uh, but not as intriguing as uh, the next Image Comics new offering on page 54 and following. Battle Pug, the ongoing series. Yes. Yes, that's right. I've got uh, all of Mike Norton's excellent uh, Battle Pug uh, hardcovers, which came out through... I actually did the hardcover thing for those because it's Norton. (laughs) There's no way I was not going to support him. And, you know, Norton, Norton or no Norton... The premise of a sword and sorcery barbarian hero who rides around on a giant bug is, is irresistible.
0: Oh, absolutely!
2: Yeah, so, excited to see some um, ongoing monthly adventures of, uh, of the last King Mundian and his uh, trusty steed. <laughs> also fascinating to note here, and you realize that uh, beginning this month for the foreseeable future, we were going to have the opportunity to buy not one but two. Monthly Mike Norton comics featuring pugs <laughs> from these previous catalogues. This well, plus grumble from Albatross Fun Books.
0: Well, uh, to to say the least, uh, it is very on brand for for Mister Mike Norton to have two books about pugs. <laughs> so uh, I am I am a okay with that and. Uh, it's it's also great to to see him, uh, you know, back into the monthly game. Uh, as uh, I was reminded of uh, of New York Comic Con's past when he was sitting at your guys' table, as uh, Pants posted the photo of him, uh, of Pants dressed as Underdog, and uh, there was the uh, banner on the bottom of your CGS uh, banner that uh, Mike Norton was sharing a table with you guys. So <laughs> he's been on my mind the past couple days. Yeah,
2: that that was a great weekend. Uh, that was, I believe, the second New York Comic Con. Yep. In 2007, and uh, that was also the time that Norton presented me with a, a birthday gift that uh, my fellow geeks had gone in on. It was a drawing by Mike of uh, Bizarro and Mad Hatter having a conversation with one another.
0: Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> oh,
2: you know, I gave Norton such a hug when he presented that thing to me.
0: <laughs> he's very,
2: he's very huggable, you know.
0: Oh, he absolutely is. Yeah, yeah, and, and he and he'll usually share a beer with you because he's that type of guy.
2: Hmm? Well, as long as he doesn't mind if my beer is a cider, uh, I'll lift one with him any day.
0: Amen to that. Amen to that. All Uh Scrolling down a little bit more. Uh, we have a new Pretty Deadly miniseries by Kelly Sue DeConnick on page 59. Uh, and uh, first time I've seen something out of the Pretty Deadly line in a bit, as uh, we have a uh, new chapter in the Dark and Deadly Golden Era of Hollywood uh, the way they're calling it, it's The Rat, number one of five, with uh, art and cover by Emma Rios, no relation to Peter that I know of, and uh, and yeah, Kelly Sue DeConnick uh, back in the action at Pretty Deadly, so I'm looking forward to seeing more in that universe. The
2: image is pretty excited about this art because they used a, a Pretty Deadly image as the two-page splash to intro their section of the catalog.
0: Yeah, it's it's been doing uh, it's been doing pretty well for uh, for Image that I that I know of. And uh, I have the first volume and uh, and I and I enjoyed it a lot. So I'm looking forward to seeing more in this uh, and yet another one of the 50% off uh, DCBS offerings uh, by the way. This first issue will set you back only 2 bucks.
2: Mm, terrific. All right, let's see. There's um, on page 61 there's a new uh, miniseries from the World of Warren Ellis's Trees. It's uh, called Three Fates, issue one of five, and it's, uh, it's set in Russia. And in uh, the world of trees, the, the, the titular trees are actually these giant arborescent alien beings that just kind of appeared overnight uh, in the world in which the story is set um, you know, just as a, a couple of decades ago and have just kind of stood there motionless ever since. Uh, and so the story is not really about the trees so much as it is about uh, the strange cultural phenomena that develop uh, in the shadow of those trees. You know, the, the, the impact that they've had on the world and the escalating global paranoia that takes place around them. Um, I've read the first tray It was pretty good. Um, and now we've got uh, the latest installment in, uh, in that story. It's coming out on September 11th, and it's a five-issue miniseries. And uh, if you've been following along with trees, uh, here's... More of the same.
0: Yeah, haven't checked it out, but uh, I may now that uh, now that this new one's happening. So maybe there'll be a maybe there'll be a good deal on that first volume. Yeah,
2: right. To in stock trades, you go.
0: Indeed, Assassination Nation. The first volume of that uh, is uh, is being solicited on page sixty two. Uh, it this collects issues one through five of the series, uh, and I've heard some pretty positive things about this. Uh, especially considering that uh, Erica Henderson does have two Eisners under her belt uh, for Squirrel Girl and for Jughead. And uh, now this is uh, her series with Kyle Starks of uh, Rick and Morty and Sex Castle. So here's the first volume collected, and as usual, it's cheap because it's an image first volume.
2: Yeah, I have uh, picked up uh, the first two issues, I think. It's kind of like a 90s action movie spoof. Um, You know, spoofing those movies in which a team of uh, crack experts are assembled to take on a, a dangerous assassination mission <laughs> and it's you now each one of those teams always has its assortment of loose cannons and borderline psychopaths well this one is an exceptionally large such group and it's nothing but loose cannons and psychopaths as you can see on the cover here of the trade, they're all just pointing guns at each other and it's all very very tense to the point of absurdity and it, 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 as satire goes it hits the mark pretty well Good
0: old uh, Tarantino-esque, uh, everybody pointing guns at everybody. <laughs>
2: it's, that, that is a very apt comparison, Ian. <laughs> it's like uh, Tarantino with uh, maybe some Monty Python thrown in.
0: Well, now I'm sold. <laughs> I haven't seen Battle Chasers in a while. Uh, Joe jo, jo Madrera coming out with a, a Battle Chasers anthology. Uh, and uh, that, again, it has been a while. <laughs> uh, mm, Battle yeah, Ch- really? Yeah. Battle Chasers is one of those series that I feel like I hear about it every every six or seven months or so, and m- maybe even longer, and then don't hear anything about it again, and then it comes back because Joe Madureira is not exactly known for his uh, timeliness, and uh, <laughs> I, I, and I know I know he's been working on Battle Chasers for
2: many many years now. Yeah, it, it collects every issue ever published, which amounts to three hundred and forty four pages worth, not counting you know sketches and posters and such. Yep. So probably no new material in there.
0: Probably not, although uh, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget the reason why he was late on Battle Chasers to begin with, and that was because he got busy playing, a, uh, I believe, Final Fantasy VIII and missed all of his deadlines.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's still the first thing I think of whenever I hear Joe Mad's name. He's too busy playing video games to do the work for which he's paid. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well... Yeah, well, Maybe he's found work as a video game tester since then.
0: I, I know he's done some designs for video games over the years, so I guess uh, that that works. It's almost as good. Uh, going down to page 68, I have uh, the third collection of Lazarus. And this this is one of those series that I that I really need to jump on because uh, I hear nothing but positive things about it. I know uh, Chris has mentioned it in the past, and i and you know it's Greg Rucka, so it's bound to be good. With with I mean with Michael Lark, so come on, the, the two of the best people in the industry right there putting together uh, you know excellent excellent books. And this collects uh, Lazarus twenty two to twenty six, and then Lazarus X plus sixty six number numbers one through six. Two hundred and eighty pages, right there.
2: Yes, and I know Chris would be making his low moans right now <laughs> if you were on this episode with us. He, he swears by Lazarus. Oh yeah, and I've, I've tried the first couple of trades, and I liked it fairly well myself. So yeah, by all means, jump on.
0: Excellent. This is the final volume of Paper Girls, solicited on page sixty-nine as well. Uh, as we mentioned, the final issue came out a little while ago, and now here is volume six. And that will soon be on my shelf.
2: Very good. I've just got issue number 29 in my last DCBS shipment, so I'm almost to the finish line myself. Yep.
0: Now, here, <laughs> here's, here's something that we have to mention, since we haven't really mentioned it on the show yet, and it was big news uh, about a week or so ago. Page 71 solicits The Walking Dead, book 16, which will include the final issue of The Walking Dead. Wow. The unexpected final issue of The Walking Dead. Robert Kirkman loves his surprises and he completely without any warning concluded the book. And uh, that's that's where we're ending it as of now and he actually had fake solicits out there for three other issues just to just to fool everybody <laughs> and, and, and believing that there was still more Walking Dead to come, but nope. This is it. Well, that's
2: uh, a terrific bit of hoax work there on his part. <laughs> well, I commend him for choosing an ending point and sticking with it. Yep. Although those commendations have to be conditional, and on his uh, not coming back and doing like a miniseries or something half a year from now. Sure.
0: Yeah. I think. Could always happen. I think. I think for now we're done. Um, I, not to say that maybe five, ten years down the line he may de- He may decide to like come back to it and. You know, do something else in the world, but I think this is done, and now the, the the TV show gets to do essentially whatever they want because now they don't even have to worry about uh, you know catching up with the uh, comics or what have you. They can just you know go nuts and change their story however they please.
2: Well, they haven't exactly been holding themselves back from that,
0: anyway, have they? No, they have not, and that's why I stopped watching a while ago. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, me too. Got anything in the single issues?
2: I think the. I've only got a couple of things in the single-issue section that I'm buying. Of course, those are all continuing series. Uh, but yeah, the uh, issue 15 of Ice Cream Man, I'll be picking up um, the, the Jason Aaron space opera trip fest uh, Sea of Stars. It's got its third issue coming out. I'll buy that. And issue number two of two of the Chips Darsky mini-epic White Trees, The Black Sand Tale. It's on page 90. Excellent. But that's really it as far as single issues for me this
0: month. Yeah, I uh, think—scrolling through real quick here myself. Uh, Yeah, I think that's just about it for me as well. Uh, Although I will mention uh, Snot Girl number 15, uh, uh, because they haven't been entirely consistent with releases on that, but I love Brian Lee O'Malley, obviously, from Scott Pilgrim, and I've read the first volume of Snot Girl. And really enjoyed it and this is the uh, the end of its current story arc being solicited with number 15 and that's on page 86
2: shall we do dark horse
0: dark horse it is
2: all right and dark horse uh, on page 96 is leading off uh, with a new ongoing series called everything and uh, pretty inclusive title there um, everything as it happens in this context is the title uh, well it's It is the name of an uh, eponymous mega department store uh, that opens in the town of Holland, Michigan, which I think might actually be a real place. I think it's it's home to like a a flower of like a bulb and seed company from which I used to get a catalog when I was a kid. Hmm. Um, But anyway, um, it's set in a place called Holland, Michigan, and the people in the town, once this mysterious new mega store opens, start having bad dreams, psychic disturbances. It's this kind of a surreal, uh, supernatural mystery story. It uh, sounds like it might lead uh, a little bit towards uh, Stephen King's Needful Things uh, for the tw- you know, for kind of an anti-corporate 21st century. event. It sounds interesting. 50 off from DCBService.com. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to try the first issue.
0: Yeah, I immediately uh, I immediately think of uh, Rocco's Modern Life and and Conglamo uh, when I think when I think of this. <laughs> This series, you know, Conglamo, we own you.
2: Right. <laughs> the main thing in Rocco's world, all the way down to really, really big man comics, yes? Yep.
0: Yes, indeed. <laughs> I've always kind of wished that they would do something with, uh, with that uh, franchise outside of the, uh, the world inside of Rocco's Modern Life. I would read a really, really big man comic.
2: You know, I, I think I'd be more likely to read a really, really big man comic than to read an actual Rocco's comic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Also, also with a title like Everything, my, my mind immediately went to uh, the Stefan sketches from SNL. This comic has everything.
2: Yeah, and it's from the Burger Books imprint, so there's your mark of
0: quality there. Yep. Yeah, we got uh, The Art of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order uh, coming out on page 99. That's uh, a, a, another Star Wars art book being put out by, by Dark Horse. So that's that's always nice to see.
2: Yeah, I'm glad they've still got uh, one thumb stuck in that Star Wars pie. They earned it after carrying the torch for 20 or so years. Yep. Yep. This one is uh, art from a Star Wars video game specifically. Correct. I notice on page 112, uh, we've got a new, uh, they're calling it an ongoing series, uh, Aliens Colonial Marines, colon, Rising Threat, number one. And uh, this too is a video game tie-in. Uh, it's uh, continuing adventures of the Colonial Marines as they battle the Xenomorphs, uh, as seen in the um, upcoming video game from Cold Iron Studios, and that's got art by Verta uh, Del Edera, and it's written by Brian Wood. Hmm.
0: Okay. That's 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 some nice it's... pedigree for a uh, for a video game tie-in.
2: I was just going to say. This is not the first Aliens comic Brian was written, but uh, I don't think I've seen him writing a video game tie in comic before. So, yeah, it's going to be better than the average video game tie in, I would have to think.
0: One would assume. Yep. I've I've got a couple pages earlier than that on page 108 uh, Steeple by by John Allison. Uh, That's uh, the creator of Giant Days. Which uh, came out a couple years ago, and, and I and I really enjoyed that. Uh, this is a, a supernatural tale of friendship, the devil, and moral gray areas. Two women with wildly different worldviews become unlikely friends as they navigate the supernatural happenings in a sleepy coastal parish, and soon find themselves forced to choose sides in the war between good and evil, facing demons, curses, and miniature rapture. So that's that, that catches my interest, and the art the art looks really cool it's nice and uh nice and stylized and simple almost uh darwin cook-esque
2: i'd say yeah yeah i could see that yeah just uh, the idea of uh, two women of uh whatever ideological bent going up against the devil in a sleepy coastal parish uh in the british isles and that does sound like an interesting story
0: yeah another one that's 50 percent off by the way so that'll only set you back two
2: bucks terrific
0: we do have Usagi Yojimbo, 35 years of covers on page 116. I mean, that's that's a, that's a big pedigree, to say the least. And uh, being able to fill 320 pages with uh, 35 years of comic book covers, that's a damn good art book to own.
1: ooh
2: Yep, and again, uh, Dark Horse being able to get a little more out of you know, another lost license that they uh, nurtured and helped along for a long time. So yep, I'm glad that they're still able to do that.
0: One way or another, they still they still manage to find a way. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a new uh, Disney Snow White and the Seven Dwarves book by Cecil Castellucci and Gabriel Bagnoli that has some very pretty cover art.
2: Yeah, and the interiors look very much like it. Yes. Uh, a- yeah, this is, it's collecting a little a mini yeah three issue mini that Dark Horse has been publishing over the last few months. And uh, there were a few preview pages in one of the uh, uh, last few uh, months' preview catalogs, and uh, it's, it's not quite um, manga art, but it's uh, kind of influenced by it, and it's got a pleasing softness to it. I, I, I kind of like it artistically.
0: Yeah, no, I I I appreciate when, especially a company like Disney, when they when they're willing to. Uh, go a little bit uh, off the beaten path with their uh, with their art styles. You know, it doesn't always have to look exactly like the uh, the the original. You know, as long as it captures the spirit, then I'm happy. Right. All right, and I think that's that's actually pretty much it for me with Dark Horse. I don't know if you have anything else. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well, the only other thing I was going to buy is uh, the latest issue of Black Hammer Justice League. So,
0: yep, with uh, some some great uh, covers. All around with that one.
2: All right. So we uh, let that uh, pave our way to the DC part of the book.
0: Yes, we have. And right. uh, to, to, to to take us out of the episode for, for, for a quick moment, there is the largest storm cloud I have seen in quite some time rolling over my, uh, my house at the moment. So uh, here's hoping I, do, I don't lose power or internet because I'm actually a little bit afraid of that. But if I do, I will let you know.
2: No, can't possibly happen. You're not on vacation. Of course.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It
2: it, it I, oh,
0: blackouts only happen while I'm out of the city. I don't get it, man. <laughs> you're just charmed, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, I was I was working I was working in Honesdale, Pennsylvania when the uh when the blackout uh hit uh, back in the uh, mid 2000s. And all I got was a, qu- a quick blip in the, uh, in the powers as, as we switched to backup power. And then I uh, went online that night, and I'm like, why isn't anybody online? And then I find out, oh, right, because nobody can get online.
2: Uh, yes, an interesting couple of days that was in the city, I'm sure. Yep.
0: So start us off with uh, some more Year of the Villain action. As uh, we get Lex Luthor, number one, and the Riddler, Year of the Villain number one on page three here. Uh, Lex Luthor Year of the Villain, uh, written by Jason Latour, with art by Brian Hitch and Andrew Curry, which immediately yes. has, has me intrigued. Yep, and uh, Mark Russell uh, writing Riddler with the art by Scott Godlewski, and uh, they seem to be doing some very different things with lex Luthor with this whole year of the villain stuff i know he's uh mm-hmm. he's developed powers of some sort and he may even be inhabited by some sort of godlike entity which mm-hmm. sounds like a scott snyder thing to do so uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh very very interested to see where this is going
2: yep he's become the herald of a primordial uh, creator goddess named perpetua who is kind of Got a mad on for the DC multiverse as it exists right now because it's not the DC multiverse she wanted to create a long time ago. Ah. So, you know, so um, Lex, uh, Apex Lex, uh, he's been empowered by her and he's kind of an instrument of her will. And as a part of whatever scheme she's working on, he's going around uh, offering. Uh, basically a Neuron bargain. You know, I've mentioned before that this whole year of the villain thing, at least at this phase of the story, is reminding me a lot of the uh, classic uh, 1995 DC summer event Underworld Unleashed. Hmm. Heck, this phase is even called Evil Unleashed. So it's, it's right there on the page. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, this is looking like fun to me, you know, because it's it's sparking a little nostalgia for that 25-year-old event. And uh, I'm buying the heck out of these two one-shots you just mentioned, even, because the Lex Luthor one is Apex Lex going out and hunting down different multiversal versions of himself, parallel-earth versions of anybody, and I'm pretty much in. <laughs> uh, and right below that, Mark Russell writing the Riddler, and not only that, writing the Riddler, um, <laughs> a disgruntled Riddler who wants to know – why he was left out of this whole villain empowerment deal. Love it. As this, 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 this takes me back to when I was you know 16 years old and reading Underworld Unleashed and wondering, hey, why did only certain villains get this whole empowerment treatment? I mean, in, the in-story excuse was they chickened out and didn't accept Neuron's bargain. But I wanted to know how people like uh, the Riddler or the prankster, etc., cetera, would uh, benefit, like, like, like what a Neuron upgrade would have done to them, like, like how... What kind of power would the Riddler receive? So that that's an interesting question right there that Russell might answer. But I just like the idea of uh, Riddler, indignant that he's been l- left out of the Reindeer Games here, tracking Lex Luthor down and confronting him. about. And all of it written by uh, one of the more you know, incisive writers of, of the current day, Mark Russell. So, yeah, those are two very – DC hasn't really been flooding us with one-shot tie-ins for this event so far. There's like two a month, and so far they've all been you know, pretty – I I don't want to say gold just yet because I haven't read them, obviously, but they sure as heck sound like gold just based on the plot summaries and creative teams we've been seeing for them. So I'm kind of excited for this event so far.
0: Remind me to never pick Riddler last at Dodgeball.
2: (laughs) Ian, don't forget never to pick Riddler last at Dodgeball. Thank you.
0: Thanks for (laughs) the (laughs) reminder.
2: Yep. Better than Siri that way.
0: (laughs) Uh, And then. Right away on page five, I would love to just get a full list of how many publishers have published Powers over the years, because uh, it's it's been with Image, it's it's been with Icon. Uh, I think it was with the bit, uh, initially under uh, under another uh, independent publisher before it was with Image, and now here we are with Powers under the DC uh, label with uh, with Bendis, and uh, they are. Uh, him and uh, Avon Oming are returning to Powers for the first time in a couple of years to tell a story that spans uh, uh, the, uh, the entire generation of, uh, of, of, of Powers. Um, and uh, it, it also includes uh, remastered pages uh, from uh, the 2015 edition of Powers, num- uh, number seven and eight, and eight uh, but also seems to be crafting its own story around that. So Powers, the best ever. On page number five.
2: Hollow mm. boast or truth in advertising? You decide.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably a little of A and a little bit of B.
2: Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah I'd actually, I never really got into Powers when it was first being published, but I remember Wizard just kissing the ground it walked on. And it was, you know, maybe just a little, you know, again, you know, crime fiction, procedural t- police drama type stuff was never really my cup of tea. Yeah. But uh, for those people who re- have really enjoyed it, I'm glad that it's, it's making a comeback.
0: Yeah, I've read uh, the first, I'd say maybe the first three or four volumes of Powers. I, I started reading it right around the time that the very short-lived uh, streaming series uh, was coming out. Uh, the, uh, the one and only streaming series that uh, PlayStation uh, put out. Uh, when they were trying to get into the uh into the hey if Netflix can do it so can we game. Um and uh they, they commissioned a power series and it lasted two seasons and never did watch that second season, but first season was interesting. It just uh, very much changed a lot of, uh, of of the flow of the series. Um specifically the fact that uh that you know a a titular character that dies very, very early on does not actually die until the near end of the season. Um, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Um, and, uh, the second season, I know, tried, tried to get it closer to, uh, to the comics in some ways, especially in costumes, but, uh, never really did get around to, to watching it, but I'm, I may one of these days. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, just out of curiosity, if, uh, you decided to watch that second season, um, where would you find it? Is, is PlayStation streaming still available?
0: Um, well, I think they still have it available on, on, uh, yeah, on Sony's, uh, on, you know, on Sony's back, uh, uh, stuff in general. But let me, let me see if the series has been released in any, in any other form. That's an excellent question. Did they ever even release a Blu-ray collection? That's the thing. Well, okay, uh, so a bunch of different streaming services still have the, uh, the episodes piecemeal. Um, so you could get it from from YouTube or, or iTunes or Amazon Prime or any of those places uh, for you know individual episodes at like $2 a pop. But I do not believe there was ever a, uh, a Blu-ray – oh, there was a Blu-ray release for season one, um, which is still available for $30. But I don't know if they ever did for season two. That I'm going to have to check. All right, Underneath that, from the pages of Heroes in Crisis begins, and uh, we we get uh, uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy by Jody Houser. That's a that's a dynamic duo to say the least, and uh, and Jody Houser mm-hmm. is a is a good name to be writing them.
2: Yeah, it's artwork by uh, Adriana Mello. I, I know, I know that name. I wonder if, I wonder if she's the one who uh, drew that Plastic Man miniseries. Well, that's that's a possibility. It was written by Gilsen. Yeah,
0: she worked on Ms. Marvel for a bit, um, and yes, you are correct. She did indeed work on that Plastic Man. Um, Wikipedia
2: space. is telling me that. Uh... Yep. Yep. Yeah, okay. And also uh, some Birds of Prey. Yep.
0: With our with our girls.
2: Yep. So yeah, that is that is a terrific creative team right there. Plus, it explores some of the fallout from Heroes in Crisis, which does bear a bit of exploration.
0: Yes. I uh I'm hoping beyond hope that the uh that the follow-up to Heroes in Crisis uh fixes the mess that was Heroes in Crisis.
2: We have a couple of things on the stands in September that uh, we'll, we'll be printing in that direction, So fingers crossed. Yep.
0: And I may as well mention uh on page nine, since we just mentioned the Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy series, Harleen number one out of DC Black Label, uh by uh by, I I'm never going to pronounce his name right. S- S- Stepan Sijic. Uh, let's let's hope that was anywhere near close to uh, to the way <laughs> he actually pronounced his name. Uh, but uh, this is a uh, a dark take on on the origin of Harley Quinn, and uh, this really has me interested because I I've always loved Harley, and and I think that you could do so much with the character. You can make her cutesy, or you can make her you know, mature audiences. And this seems, this is one of the few instances we've seen of them trying to do mature audiences with with just her. So, let's let's see where this goes.
2: Well, by all means. And on the lighter side of the uh, Harley and Ivy team-up, uh, they're also, uh, DC is also offering a uh, facsimile reprint of uh, Poison Ivy's first appearance in Batman number 181. And, and that is the entire issue. It's also got uh, a backup story featuring the uh, mystery analysts of Gotham City, which is a club of armchair detectives that uh, helped Batman on cases from time to time back in the Silver Age. That is a historical treasure, they're offered uh, in an affordable uh, $3.99 cover price format for the contemporary collector.
0: Yeah, I'm going to continue to echo Chris's words from our last previous episode. Uh, I know that they that they have since announced other facsimile editions that are going to be a dollar. Don't charge four dollars for a vac- for a facsimile. Just don't. <laughs> hmm.
2: yeah, I have a very difficult time disagreeing with that statement. Yeah.
0: And we
2: get yeah, that is the kind of thing that Marvel tends to publish as a one dollar true believer comic. It's true.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think next previews we should be seeing uh, some of the uh, the reprints that are a dollar out of DC as well.
2: To be encouraged.
0: And Legion of Superheroes officially returns on page
2: 11. That's right. Another unexpected move from Brian Michael Bendis, who was about the last person I ever would have thought would write Superman. And now he's going even further in the squeaky clean, shiny Silver Age direction by bringing back those fresh-faced young people from the next millennium, the Legion, (sighs) Brought to you by some of comics' greatest talents, namely Bendis, with art by people like Jim Lee, Dustin Nguyen, Andrea Sorrentino, Andre Araujo, and others, under a cover by Ryan Souk. This epic story spans the course of 1,000 years and, for the very first time, except for those other few times that it's been done, connects all of DC's future timelines. So... I mean, the first time that was done would have been the, the history of the DC Universe two-issue miniseries from Wolfman and Perez back in the 80s. But this is the first time they did it with Batman Beyond as a part of it, so maybe that can justify their statement.
0: Yeah, I uh, I am looking forward to this. Uh, considering what Bendis has done with Young Justice so far, having him tackle uh, the, you know one of the other youthful teams in, in DC's uh, lineup, uh, has me very much looking forward to it. And it's about time we get Legion, Legion of Superheroes back. And uh, I think he might be the right guy for it.
2: Uh, just to tantalize us, along the bottom of pages 10 and 11, there's a few of the redesigned Legion costumes. And there's an interview here with Bendis teasing us that uh, there's one or two pre existing characters, at least one of which also existed back in the 20th or 21st century, um, that will be kind of POV characters. There's one of them that's going to walk us through all the different changes that have taken place uh, from the, the DC Universe present to the far-flung future that is home to the Legion. So it's going to be kind of a DC Universe uh, uh march through the decades and centuries to get us to the 31st century.
0: And there will be a version of Superboy in this series, uh, according to uh, a Newsarama, Newsarama article that came out a couple di- a couple weeks ago. Uh, that did have him prominently featured, so we don't know which one it's going to be. Whether it's a young Clark Kent or or Jonathan Kent, or you know, a descendant of of either one of them, but uh, a form of Superboy will be appearing in this Legion of Superheroes.
2: Very valuable information. Thank you, Ian. No problem. And all I have to contribute there is that it's half off at DCBService.com. Where millennium is regrettably spelled with only one N. Shame on you, DCBS.
0: Uh, I'm sure it was how it was provided to them. Page thirteen. Uh, we mentioned on our comic talk episode as well that uh, Flash Forward number one is happening, and here is the Celestial Fort. Wally West, roaming what may very well be the the galaxy, not in jail. And uh, hopefully redeeming himself after the uh, after the events of Heroes in Crisis, but let's see if Scott Lobdell can do that because I I haven't really enjoyed a Scott Lobdell comic since the '90s.
2: <laughs> All right, let's put it where it's at. Yeah. yeah, I I do notice a tendency these days for him not to take the work quite as seriously as he might. And um, Wally fans really need him to take this assignment seriously. Oh yeah. So fingers tightly crossed that he will.
0: Yeah. That uh, that Teen Titans series he wrote after New Fifty Two was one of the biggest messes of the New Fifty Two.
2: Mm, that's saying something. Yep.
0: How about this on uh, page fifteen? Gotham City Monsters number one by Steve Orlando.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's that, that is the thing that I'm going to be buying. I'll tell you what, The I mean, one thing, it's just in time for Halloween.
1: Yeah.
2: Six-issue miniseries, it involves, uh, the multiverse is involved in some way, it's mentioned in the solicit anyway, and it's Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, one of the better things, I think, to come out of that first wave of uh, New 52 titles. Gathering together a bunch of uh, Gotham or Gotham-adjacent monster characters, Killer Croc, Eye uh, Vampire, the Larry Hama-created villainous Orca, and Lady Clayface, it's a really interesting motley crew Steve Orlando is, like me, a, a collector of uh, DC Universe historical oddities. He, he throws some really interesting concepts into the stories he writes. And uh, this is a, a great uh, mixed treat bag of uh, Halloween monsters he's thrown into this story. And uh, I don't even really care what they're going to be doing together. I just want to see how, what kind of team chemistry could possibly emerge from this uh, somewhat uh, Frankensteinian uh, melange of characters. So yeah, I, I am on board for this.
0: Yeah, this is uh this is bound to be almost like Secret Six esque uh, in in the in the pairing of uh, of, of characters. Um, yeah. So I, I, I this looks like it could be a lot of fun.
2: Good comparison. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Keith Giffen and Jeff Lemire teaming. Inferior Five number one on page sixteen. That's a match right there.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and you know that. Yeah, Jeff Lemire written Peacemaker series. I mean, that's. I'm really much more interested in that. Hmm. Oh, it's a 12 issue maxi series, no less. And I don't know how eager I am to support something that just bears the name of the Inferior Fide without Mm -hmm. actually bringing back, you know, the uh, classic E. Nelson Bridwell superhero spoof that originally bore that name. You know, there's no Merry Man, no Awkward Man, no Dumb Bunny, etc. It kind of looks like it's got shades of. Stranger Things to it, hmm. and that's not as appealing to me. But I would love to read at some point uh, what Jeff Lemire chooses to do with the classic Charlton action hero peacemaker.
0: Well, perhaps they'll, uh, they'll separate them out when it's collected. Yeah, it
2: mentions here that this spins out of, uh, quote, uh, the invasion that rocked the DC universe. Do you happen to know what invasion that was, Ian?
0: Um, is that possibly Leviathan?
2: Well, I guess it could be. And it, it's kind of looking like it's referencing the original, like, uh, I don't know exactly what year it took place, like, very late 80s invasion crossover. But, I mean, is that even still in continuity post-Flashpoint? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know Giffen was, uh, he had some involvement with that uh, in, original invasion story. Maybe he's just bullying ahead and saying, hey, guess what? It happened post-Flashpoint because I'm now saying it did.
0: It um, wouldn't be the first time that Keith Giffen did whatever he wanted with uh, with characters, so uh, that's that's a, that's a possibility.
2: Yep. Yeah, I don't see too many people at DC caring enough to say him nay either. Yep. And,
0: and, <laughs> and, I, and I appreciate that that Jeff Lemire uh, written and drawn uh, backup is going to also include Checkmate and Amanda Waller. Hmm.
2: Yeah, seeing how the wall gets along with uh, Christopher Smith. Yep. Interesting.
0: Oh, it is this month actually. The Dollar Comics uh looking looking down at uh, on page 18, they're uh they're releasing uh Detective Comics 854, Batman 608, Harley Quinn number 1 and Crisis on Earth's number 1 uh, all for a buck. Hmm.
2: Yeah, but not that Batman number
0: 181 comic. Yeah, I'd... interesting choice. Maybe that was on the tail end of it, who knows.
2: It looks like we've got a Wonder Comics DC Universe crossover brewing here on page 19, as uh, Bendis's original character Naomi pops in uh, to visit with Superman and Batman.
0: It's nice to be cementing that into the uh, into the main DCU a little bit further.
2: Have you been following that series, Ian?
0: No, I haven't. Uh, I'm, I am I think that may be one of the trades I wind up picking up, actually, because I know that they're going to be doing that in <clears throat> seasons. Right. Uh, so uh, that's, that's on my list. We've got uh, 78 and 79 of Tom King's uh, soon-to-be-concluding Batman run on page 22 and 23. Catwoman getting more and more involved with the story yet again. Oh, the thunder is brewing.
2: Mm. (laughs) is it going to give you sight beyond sight uh
0: i certainly hope so because that'd be pretty cool
2: (laughs) i was hoping it was that kind of thunder
1: yeah
0: let me go grab the sword of omens i'll be right back uh we got we got uh book of magic uh, i'm going to mention book of magic on page 29 just for how much kai carpenter is drawing the titular character like harry potter like they're not even hearing mm-hmm. anymore
2: i was totally gonna say something too that, that is very much uh, like like a daniel radcliffe portrait there
0: <laughs> yeah very much so
2: well tim hunter was first so i guess uh turnabout is fair play huh
0: <laughs> yes it is
2: more good news for the wonder comics imprint on pages uh, 35 and uh, 63 Looks like both "Dial H for Hero" and "Wonder Twins" have been expanded from six-issue miniseries to twelve-issue maxi series.
0: Ah, that's 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 good to hear. I I, I really like that first issue of uh, of Wonder Twins. I'm I haven't read anything since, but I'm I'm eventually going to wind up catching up. So that's that's good to hear.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you what, it was a surprise. But well, if I can go by uh, the, the the stocking situation at uh, Golden Eagle Comics, uh, it was something of a sleeper hit that miniseries because they kept selling out of other shelf copies before I could get to them. So month after month, I had to have them special order me an extra.
0: Very cool. They're, they're still double releasing Flash uh, monthly, which is a little bit of a pain in the butt, but uh, page 40 mm-hmm. and 41 begins the newest uh, uh, post-year one uh, storyline with the Flash, The Death of the Speed Force. And uh, number 78 certainly has a cover reminiscent of Crisis, which has me wondering exactly what they're planning on doing here and and whether it's going to, quote-unquote, change the Speed Force forever uh, (laughs) by the time it's over. So, a little intrigued. Mm
2: -hmm. No, I I think there's better than even odds that the Speed Force will, one way or another, be changed forever because... (laughs) something has changed forever every single month in the world of superhero comics.
0: But of course. And uh, this is the month of the return of the Justice Society of America in the pages of Justice League. On page 46, Scott Snyder and James Tinian IV with art by Jorge Jimenez. And it is about damn time we get our golden age back.
2: Amen and amen. (laughs) And it's... There's somebody that looks an awful lot like the Anti-Monitor on the front cover, too, of issue number 31.
0: Ooh, good point.
2: Oh, by golly. Yeah, so we've got that going on, and we've also got other members of the League interacting with Commandy in the time of the Great Disaster. That's in issue number 32, part of the same story, The Justice Doom War. So, yeah, this this is a book to watch these days, folks. Uh, A lot of DC Universe goodness going on here. Snyder, Tynan, and their various artistic uh, collaborators are putting together a run here that's you know, it's comparable to something like uh, the old uh, Conway Patton or Conway Perez run of the uh, late Bronze Age. These are stories that I think are going to be remembered years down the pike. Yeah. So if, if you're listening, Shane, uh, th- this book is sufficiently above crap on a cracker level quality. So I hope this is one of those periods when you're still collecting it because I think it's worth reading.
0: And uh, and I have to say, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if this is uh, already his Welcome Back or whether this is his first issue Welcome Back, but Welcome Back, Howard Porter, to the pages of Justice League here, here. <laughs> yeah i i I need to sit my butt down and just read through thirty thirty issues sooner than later because i I, I you know you guys have, have have praised it so much and i 've heard it from uh, from my comic timing uh, brethren as well that uh it 's very much a book to read right now in the d c so I will do so
2: It has got the goods
0: truth and of course, the minute that I say truth, I get to page fifty. And there's the word truth on Lois Lane number three. So good timing.
2: Prescient. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have to pick up this. Uh, There's a Lois Lane and a Jimmy Olsen miniseries going on right now. I think I'm going to have to get the trades of both of them. Uh, Because this Lois Lane miniseries is written by Rucka. And it says here in issue number three that we're going to get a a meet and greet between uh, the two different DC Universe question characters. Rene Montoya and the long-absent Big Sage as they, quote, try to understand their own confusing continuity.
0: Oh, my God. Sign me up. <laughs> Especially Rucka. A Rucka of all people tackling it just makes me even more intrigued considering yeah. his, his long history with both characters.
2: Yeah. What is he going to do to get out around that uh, attempted and failed Supernatural reboot of the question? <laughs>
0: It was all a dream.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, you know I'm going to have to speak up about page 55.
0: Yep. I just got there. I knew you were going to.
2: Uh, Scooby-Doo team up, highly regarded by uh, hosts of this podcast, reaches its uh, landmark uh, number 50 issue as uh, Scooby teams up with Batman once again. Uh, we have a team up between Batmite and uh, Scooby-mite. <laughs> 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 which <laughs> With Scrappy Doo waiting in the wings. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and this issue of Scooby Doo Team Up, like the previous 49 issues of Scooby Doo Team Up, is written by Charlie Fish uh, with art by Scott Geralds, a man who has a background in animation and was, in fact, the director of the entire uh, Crypto the Superdog animated series.
0: Wow. Very cool.
2: So I'm happy to see his artwork uh, on any comic, pretty much, but particularly uh, one that involves. Uh, teen
0: canines, <laughs> and and right underneath that, uh, I, I I don't usually mention Teen Titans Go, but uh, I will mention that uh, Teen Titans Go was just nominated for an Emmy. Uh, the uh, The Emmy awards uh, uh, came out yesterday as we're recording this, and uh, a an episode of Teen Titans Go where they go back in time to the eighties uh, was was nominated for an Emmy. Uh, so congratulations to them mm. on that and. This Teen Titans Go! number 36 uh, involves the pretty, pretty Pegasus live. Uh, so that's, a, that, that's a, <laughs> a that's a fun parody for you.
2: Yep, I, just, I love the, the cover image of the Teen Titans going to a literally underground ticket booth. Parenthesis, <laughs> totally legit, end parenthesis. Standing there looking upset that they can't buy tickets to this thing for Raven. Yep. Yeah, that's... <laughs> You've been there, haven't you, Ian?
0: Oh, I sure have, yep. And uh, I'll also mention that uh, the series finale of Adventure Time and uh, the season finale of Steven Universe were both nominated for Emmys.
2: Mm. Excellent. That's going to be some tough competition. Sure is. Oh, bejabbers. Okay, on page 58, those of you who are interested in The Return of the Legion, uh, you, you should probably pick up Superman number 15, that's also written by Bendis, with art by Ivan Reis and Joe Prado, and it's got the present-day Superman meeting up with uh, some 32nd-century Legionnaires. Since I think this, this Legion reboot is actually taking place in the 32nd century, correct? So, so we might be dealing with like legacy version, uh, legacy versions, excuse me, of the original Legion. So, so it'll give Bendis a little more leeway to create uh, he, his own takes on these characters, I guess, if we, if we establish that they're like descendants uh, from like a 100 years hence of the original Legionnaires. But anyway, it's written by the same guy who's uh, constructing this whole reboot thing. So it, it's probably going to be relevant. So if you're really interested in this uh, Return of the Legion, pick up that comic, uh, Superman 15 as well.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know necessarily if they're going to be descendants or, or or anything like that. I think he's just moving up the uh the years to try to try to try to make it a little bit more consistent with passing time. But uh that that also does at the same time distance himself from previous versions of hey, those are all in the thirty first century. This is the thirty second, it's completely new and different.
2: Right. Yes. Well, any inconsistencies could just be fobbed off on Dr. Manhattan, of
0: course. Yep. <laughs> And, uh, of course, who shot the decoy corpse of Jimmy Olsen? Speaking of that Jimmy Olsen <laughs> miniseries written by Matt Fraction.
2: Yep, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've been seeing some, some good Silver age uh, uh, suggestions of, of story uh, from, from previous solicitations for this miniseries. So, yeah, I'll, I think I'm probably going to be getting this and trade
0: That They're still making you buy the Terrifics, by the way, because uh, it has more Bizarro. Yeah, they keep pulling me back
2: in. <laughs> but, yeah, Bizarro in a suit of armor with a backwards S uh, chest plate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah, I want to see what, what kind of Bizarro Jean Wen Yang of American-born Chinese uh, and also New Superman will write. Same here. Oh, on page 62, the second issue of Warren Ellis' new Wildcats series, Uh, His version of the cats are going to go somewhere that is, quote, haunted by the ghosts of 52 universes. So there may be a little bit of a Warren Ellis satire of the current state of things in the DC multiverse. Though I think it's going to be fairly uh, superficial satire because I don't think Ellis is going to be arsed to figure out what's going on in the DC multiverse enough to make fun of it. Yep. But either way, it's Ellis. I enjoyed his Wild Storm series enough. I'm going to follow along with his Wildcats series for a while as well.
0: Yeah, and and I think if I remember correctly, even though Young Justice isn't isn't solicited this month, there may still be an issue coming out. Um, I, I think I remember reading something where, where Bendis mentioned that something was incorrectly left out of the previews catalog but uh, if it's not mm-hmm. the case they might be they might just be doubling up next month
2: hmm. okay so we shouldn't uh, assume that the, its absence from this catalog means that the series is no more
0: exactly yes and frankly if it if it was i'd be writing my congressman because this is <laughs> <laughs> wow. As, as, well, especially with the uh, with the uh with the last issue that, that just came out, uh, slightest of spoilers. We have multiple universes in the new 50, in, in the in the in the fifty-two universes of the multiverse show up. Um and uh their their choices will intrigue and at the same time please you, Murd.
2: Mm. I like to be pleased and intrigued.
0: <laughs> uh and on to the collections.
2: Ooh, I'm going to throw out a mention here on page 66 and 67. Uh, some more uh, issues of, uh, well, DC titles that were uh, Walmart or, or yeah, I think it was Walmart exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, which are now being uh, presented to comic shops for the first time. These include some uh, Brian Michael Bendis Batman, including a team up with Green Lantern, it looks like. Uh, some more Tom King Superman with Andy Cooper Art. And uh, uh, Wonder Woman, written by Connor and Paul Miotti, with art by Tom Dernick and uh, some Dan Jurgens-written uh, Teen Titans stories. So, oh yeah, some uh, most likely continuity light or continuity inapplicable uh, stories there.
0: Can't go so wrong some, with
2: that. Yeah, some pretty good creative teams too.
0: And on uh, on page 71, I'm getting to my manga early as uh, they're soliciting volume three of Batman and the Justice League manga uh, written by Shiaru Teshirogi, uh, with art by him as well. So uh, this is a uh, Japanese Justice League stories that have uh, made their way back over here.
2: Hmm. Looks like we'll see manga versions of Sinestro, Reverse Flash and Cyborg Superman.
0: Sounds In good the to dance me. Dance
2: to the dark doppelganger.
0: Yep. Now, did you did you mention uh, this Crisis on Infinite Earths companion uh, on the Crisis tapes? I think you did.
2: Uh, well, we certainly mentioned. We almost had to have touched on the third volume. I yeah. don't know if Peter would have had complete uh, details at that point. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we mentioned. Yeah, you know, we talked about this cover image we're seeing here, which is from one of the issues of DC Comics Presents. Which is uh, the first comic to be, you know, self-consciously bannered and marketed as a "quote unquote" post-crisis story. Hmm. It's probably the first time that term appeared in print. Very cool. Yep. So a lot of uh, crisis crossovers and a few uh, crisis aftermath type stories as well, included in this in this hardcover edition.
0: Go forth, you ye completists. I will have a slight light rant on page 73 doomsday clock part one is being solicited yes. so the first six issues of doomsday clock are being solicited as a hardcover and the next issue just got delayed again um this is taking way too long <laughs> we could all say that I'm not. I'm not reinventing the wheel to make that statement but I hate when uh, miniseries are separated in this fashion, especially ones that are supposed to be 12 issues. Put them out as 12 issues. Do not make me buy two hardcovers to get the full story,
2: especially because you know that eventually there will be some kind of absolute or slip police edition that contains all 12 issues anyway. So why even lead us on like this?
0: Exactly. I, I'm I'm almost certain the entire reason that this is even existing is for those who have forgotten about Doomsday Clock due to due to it being as late as it is. And and I, I I keep hearing excellent things about it, but frankly, I'm not going to read it until it's all it's until it's all done at this point because I I just I do not have the attention span to wait three to four months for another issue to come out and then have to remind myself what happened last issue.
2: And it's really hard to take seriously any claims they might once have made that uh, important happenings in the DC universe are going to spin out of this series because, as you've observed before, they're not even pretending to wait until Doomsday Clock is over to move forward with some of these story threads now.
0: Exactly. Well, on a much happier note, on page 78, they are soliciting season one of Naomi. So uh, that that is how I will be able to catch up. Although this is the hardcover form, I'm sure the trade will be coming
2: shortly. But what about Naomi? That is a throwback to season one of The Electric Company. <laughs> That's, uh, taking us back to 1971.
0: Hey, we, we went nice and retro uh, on on the uh, uh, animation episode, so why don't we keep it
2: going? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of hard to shift out of that gear, you know? Yep.
0: Volume one of uh, Bendis' Superman, solicited on page 81 as uh, that collects issues 1 through 6 in trade paperback for anybody who was waiting for it to be collected.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, soft cover yet, bonus.
0: Yep. New edition of uh Superman Red Sun on page 83. One of mm-hmm. the one of the uh more acclaimed and uh repeated uh Elseworlds that uh that came out mm-hmm. uh, a couple a couple years prior. So Mark Miller with art by Dave Johnson killian plunkett and andrew robinson and others this is a new edition.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah this is an elseworlds that was uh, allowed its own parallel earth in one or another version of the dc multiverse so that's that is the mark of a successful and historically significant elseworlds story
0: most definitely Oh, they're they're collecting on page 86 the uh the Young Justice animated series uh comics. Uh that uh was uh, at one point written by uh by Art Baltazar and uh, Greg Weisman and Kevin Hopps and had art by Mike Norton and, Chris- and Christopher Jones. So that's uh those are some Good luminaries to have uh, on your uh, on your animated series book, and mm-hmm. uh, I, remember, I remember having a having it very good praise as it was coming out.
2: Yes, and then regrettably cut short, even as the lifespan of the cartoon that it inspired it.
0: Yep. Although uh, I am enjoying season three so far on the, on the DC Universe app, and hopefully they'll it'll you know, continue for a fourth after that.
2: Mm-hmm. Is that the one with the outsiders? Uh yes, it is. Mm-hmm. All
0: right. And That's pretty much it for DC.
2: Going on to IDW,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I can tell you right now that's going to be a quick one for me because the one and only IDW publication I've got marked is uh, this month's issue of My Little Pony. That's it. <laughs>
0: uh, I'll I'll mention in passing uh, Transformers: Galaxies number one, uh, just for the the gorgeous cover image on page one thirty seven, uh, and uh, the Constructicons are rising. They're they're looking they're looking for as many as many you know puns or ways you can you can put in you know cars or trucks or what have you uh, into transforming robots and now here we are with the Constructicons.
2: Oh yes, they're one of those uh, build-a-figure type robots which could combine into one super Constructicon, the Devastator. Yep. Yes, I, I remember it well. I. Didn't know any of those toys, but I saw the commercials.
0: <laughs> and I'm sure that if Chris was here, he'd be mentioning page 141, GI Joe number one, by Paul Allure. A very different take on G.I. Joe is the way that they're describing this. Uh, Tyranny is on the rise as Cobra topples governments and spreads its ruthless power across the globe. In these trying times, desperate measures are taken. The new G.I. Joe program recruits civilian spies and saboteurs, ordinary people living in occupied territories who will put their lives on the line to strike back through clandestine, or clandestine, but high-impact missions." Join these new recruits as they resist Cobra control, fight to make a better world for all, and find out just what they are capable of. So call it Ultimate G.I. Joe, if
2: you will. This take on Joe uh, smells a bit like political commentary to me. Mm. Um, I'm not the the biggest G.I. Joe fan or even a G.I. Joe fan, come down to it. But uh, this take looks... uh, a little unrecognizable, frankly. Uh, Civilian spies and subversives going up against a cobra that has seized control of the world's governments. I mean, it could be compelling storytelling, but I get the feeling it's not going to feel a whole lot like G.I. Joe, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I mean, on the bright side, that is one hell of like an Akira, you know, motorcycle on the cover. So that's... That that's that's what's immediately getting me, and it's like, oh, okay, all right. So they're definitely definitely going for a little bit of uh, of of uh, homage cover there in one way or another. But at the same time, I I I think my my idea of it being ultimate GI Joe is probably more on the money, going for a a compa- you know a, a, something that's that's very reminiscent in general premise, but at the same time, very very different than anything else. Which also reminds me of uh, Warren Ellis' G.I. Joe movie that was on Cartoon Network, uh, uh, you know, years ago. The uh, G.I. Joe Resolute, which was certainly a very different take on the Joes. There's room for it. Let's just, let's just see if this is, like you said, just political commentary or whether there's, there's more to be said there. i
2: interested to know if it's going to end up on Chris's order.
0: Mm, that's certainly possible. It does have the words G, I, and Joe in it. <laughs> All right. Uh, more of the Marvel action stuff uh, there, and uh, Descendants freight at the museum, and ooh, here we go. Do you have anything before page one forty-six?
2: I do not, but I, I thought this would probably catch your eye. So go ahead and tell us about it.
0: Ghost Tree uh, by Bobby Curnow, uh with with art by uh, by Simon Gain. It's a touching graphic novel about love, loss, and how the past never truly stays dead. Um, and uh, appears to be uh, a bit of a slice-of-life uh, uh, ja- story set in Japan uh, about, a, about a kid and his grandfather, and uh, maybe with a little bit of a, of a supernatural bent to it as well. But uh, I really like the art. It's incredibly descriptive and uh, detail-oriented, while at the same time also feeling very, very down-to-life. This seems like it's unique enough for me to give a go. Samurai Jack comic on page one forty nine. Anybody who's a fan of the uh, the series, this uh, apparently is going to continue that journey. Uh, Written by by Paul Aller with art by Adam Bryce Thomas. Mm. Okay,
2: same guy who's writing that new GI Joe series.
0: Yep, he's got a lot of IDW work coming for him.
2: Yeah, seems that way.
0: (laughs) Ooh, look at look at at page one fifty.
2: Oh, yeah. They're trading that uh, recent uh, Dick Tracy miniseries by Michael Avon. Yeah.
0: Yep. I was waiting for that to be traded, and now here it is.
2: Go, man, go. Yes, indeed.
0: And I think that's pretty much it for me on IDW, other than mentioning issue two of Walter Simonson's uh, Ragnarok, The Breaking of Helheim, solicited on page 154. And it's Walt Simonson, and it's Norse, and
2: enough said. Great thing is, Simonson can just go right ahead and tell all the Thor stories he wants, whether he's working for Marvel or not, because Marvel don't own mythology. Hell
1: yeah.
0: Oh my uh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just saw on page 155, Napoleon Dynamite number one? <sighs> That's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, going to Napoleon's yeah. senior year of high school, and I'm thinking to myself, like, shouldn't that have been, like, seven years
2: ago? <laughs> yeah. That's striking while well, the iron is cold there. Yeah, really. Yeah. And, you know, I've I never even, I've never, I've yet to see the movie, so.
0: It's one of those movies where, uh, if you ask the the, the right person or the wrong person, they'll believe it was set in the 80s. And then you just have to remind them, no, that's just what rural America looks like sometimes.
1: Let's see.
2: On page 165, there's a collection of uh, classic Barney Google comics from 1928. Archival quality cartoon kind of things that IDW prints from time to time. Hmm. Oh, uh, On pages 166 and 167, um, Steve Niles' October Faction. Is this a... Number one special edition. Okay, so this is a reprint of the first issue. It's not. It's not a new story. Yep. But apparently, there's going to be a Netflix series based on, on uh, this uh, Adams family-style uh, clan of monster hunters, the Allen family. That's
0: <laughs> Netflix,
1: can,
2: uh... Netflix
0: can do no wrong. They really, really can't. Especially with the news of the Sandman series coming.
2: Mm. Well. I hope they're not going to do wrong uh, by that series, Ian. Oh, I know. Um, there will be a lot of uh, finicky fantasy fans paying very close attention to that when it comes out. hmm And if only I did any streaming video television whatsoever, I would, <laughs> I'd be one of them. As it, it is, it, I'll just sit back and wait and hear what folks like you have to say about it.
0: And uh, I'm sure the series like that will wind up on Blu-ray or DVD at some sort.
2: Right. Now, depending on what folks like you have had to say about it by that time, maybe I'll pick up a copy. Exactly. And I might just do the same thing for the October Faction when it comes out on DVD, because I will say I have enjoyed the comic. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of sorry that this is just a, a reprint of the first issue instead of a new story.
0: Mm. And uh, the Umbrella Academy series out of Netflix was quite good as well.
2: Mm. Okay. Well, if they can do justice to that, they can certainly handle the October Faction. Yep. Right. All right, that is all I've got to say about IDW. Okay.
0: I think, I think that's just about it for me as well, so how about Marvel?
2: Yeah, how about it? All right, and their big news from Marvel this month, pages two and three of the Marvel previews subcatalog and some preview pages after that, is a mini series, five issues, simply entitled Spider-Man, brought to you by the father and son team of J.J. Abrams, and his son, Henry Abrams, with art by Sarah Pacelli.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to the Sarah Pacelli. Don't know <laughs> what to think about anything else about it exactly. The marketing behind this miniseries was, how do I put it, broken. Um, mm. in, in the way that they they announced it at first with a four in a stylized Spider-Man font, And immediately, the internet believed, oh, wow, are we finally going to get Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 4, but in comic form? Uh. And uh, then the next day, they had a three in a Spider-Man font, then a two, and then a one. And then they just went and announced this book. And by the time that happened, all of the enthusiasm had been driven out of the announcement, and uh, when I found out it was just J.J. J. Abrams and his son doing comic, I'm like, oh, good for them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's my thoughts exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's a good, a very good point about uh, the, the the marketing strategy, and I'm sure that those folks who came up with that were were not thinking along anything like the Sam Raimi terms. Yep. So they were just not looking at this through the eyes of. Uh, a certain generation of, of, of their readers yeah. Uh, so yeah that, that, that's kind of regrettable but uh, <laughs> yeah honestly even for, for my own part you know, broken marketing strategy aside I'm, I'm, re- I'm still not really particularly interested in this I mean, for one thing the fact that they just decided to give it the most generic title they possibly could just plain <laughs> Spider-Man couldn't even spare an adjective or a subtitle for it doesn't really enthuse me about uh, the content of the story and it just seems to me, I'm probably not the only one to make a cynical observation like this. This is probably just a case of J.J. Abrams' kid wanting to write a Spider-Man story. So he just said, okay, hey, Marvel, you can put both our names on it, but it's mostly going to be my kid writing this thing. Publish it for us.
0: Yeah. They couldn't have even called it the lens flaring Spider-Man? I mean, that...
2: That might <laughs> <he, laughs> actually have inspired uh, some ironic purchases around it's, Phantom.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Well, I'm much more interested on on uh, what's right underneath it on uh, on page six. Strike Force Number One, written by uh, Teeny Howard uh, with art by uh, by Jermaine Peralta, and uh, looks like we have a uh, a new uh, supernatural team for the uh, for the Marvel Universe, and it's got Blade, Angela, Spider Woman, Wiccan, the Winter Soldier. Monica Rambeau and Damon Hellstrom, all on the same team. One of the eclectic group of characters.
2: Yeah, that is exactly the word for it. Yes. It's interesting to see what sort of mission this eclectic group is going to be going on.
0: Yeah. It says heroes accustomed to darkness are going to be dealing with this as a team of Strike Force. So
2: whatever mm-hmm. that means. No idea. Uh, it does kind of make me think of uh, the old 90s Midnight Suns a little bit.
0: Hmm, good point.
2: Yeah, in a way, I kind of wish they'd gone with that as a title, because my other remark about this book, besides the excellent mix of characters, is could they have come up with a more generic team name than Strike Force? <laughs>
0: kind for I'm like... pretty sure
2: they're renewing an old Malibu Ultraverse trademark by using this as, as the title.
0: Oh, wow. I, I was going to say it sounds like it's, uh, it-, it would go perfectly on uh, on NBC in 1986 on Saturday mornings Strike Force? Yeah, just Strike Force. It sounds it sounds like, you know, one of those like generic animated shows you would have found on uh on Saturday mornings back then like <laughs> Get Ready for the Strike Force.
2: <laughs> Mr. T and the T Force. <laughs> oh boy. Yep, that that didn't make my alternates list.
0: Nope, and it didn't mine. But
2: There was a pretty good uh, tie-in breakfast cereal based on that cartoon, by the way, but that's the only thing for which that show deserves to be remembered.
0: I pitted the cavities.
2: <laughs> I pitted the fool. don't eat my cereal. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I probably will sample the first issue just to see what Denny Howard does with this crazy oleo of Marvel characters.
0: Same here. And and speaking
2: that- of crazy oleos, um, Paige is 12 and 13, we find that after last month's solicitation for Marvel Comics number 1,000, they just had too many creators and characters to fit into one oversized issue, so they're publishing a second one. Marvel Comics number 1,001. 40 pages for four ninety nine.
0: And then next month, 1,002, and then the, the month <laughs> after that, 1,003.
2: Hey, why not?
0: Yeah. I mean, hey, I, I mean, the, the creators are still great, so that's... It'll it'll get me interested if the story is actually good, and we'll see. Yeah,
2: I'm thinking I might get the variant cover by Mister Garcin shown on page 14. That is pretty sexy. Might even say it's an infinity gem.
1: Ah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we're already getting loopy here, folks.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Skipping most of Absolute Carnage, since it's Absolute Carnage.
2: Uh, don't skip page 23, though, Ian. Okay. Oh. If you were planning to, don't do not do it, because it's Peter David. Ooh, hello. Yep, it is a one-shot tying into both the Absolute Carnage event and the recent Symbiote Spider-Man miniseries that Peter David wrote. Interesting. And it's telling us an untold tale of the symbiote, revealing that apparently somebody was bonded to the symbiote for a very brief time between Peter Parker and Eddie Brock.
0: Well, then, I'm intrigued, and I'm game, and you're right. I found exactly one issue that I will be interested in.
2: (laughs) All righty, then. (laughs) I'm still buying the the, the core miniseries here, so I'll get Absolute Carnage number three, but just about all of the tie-ins, with one or two exceptions like that Peter David thing, I, like you, will be just leaving them alone. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: On page twenty-five, and I want to say it in a Britney Spears voice, but I won't. Crazy number one, by thank G- you, yeah, by Jerry Duggan, Frank Thierry, John Adams, and more, uh, reviving the uh, the crazy brand for for a new generation.
2: Yeah, pretty cool to see Obnoxio the clown up and about again.
0: Which is funny that they're that they're reviving crazy right as uh, Mad is ceasing publication.
2: Yeah, how about that? Yeah.
0: Still sad about that.
2: Yeah, no, no, it's only too true. Yeah, we, we can give a kind of an extended postmortem for that on an upcoming comic talk. Definitely. Yeah, it deserves it. Oh, and now, since uh, Black Widow is uh, finally going to be getting that solo film she's deserved for years, uh, we've got a five-issue miniseries, uh, on pages 26, 27, entitled The Web of Black Widow. I like that title.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, written by Jody Hauser, art by Stephen Moody, Mooney, and it's being touted as Black Widow Year One, so delving into the uh, the early years, I guess, the backstory of uh, Marvel's resident spy master.
0: I'm 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 in for this. This this sounds like a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm probably in for it too, and I'm pretty sure Chris will be. Yep, and I uh, Chris has had a lot of uh, occasion to think about the Black Widow recently, and yes, that is foreshadowing.
0: And I 100% know that uh, Chris would be enthusiastically going, ugh, at uh, page 28 (laughs) for King Thor, number one of four, Jason Aaron and Esad Ribic, uh, continuing and near concluding their epic Thor story, this time with King
2: Thor. If ever since the beginning of this run, Arad's been jumping around in time from past to present to far future, and I guess this story is going to be the latter. Yep. Loki is possessed by the weapon of the god-butcher, and King Thor must take him down.
0: Hmm. Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda. I I would have loved for them to have (laughs) somehow put periods in between all the letters of Wakanda.
2: (laughs) It's a challenge for all the acronym mavens out there. (laughs) Yeah, right. Ah yes, and another interesting assortment of characters thrown onto a team here. We've got uh, T'Challa himself, of course, the winsome Wasp. Although I'm not sure if that's uh, Janet Van, Tyne, Van Dyne or uh, what's her name, Natalia Pym.
0: That looks more like Janet to me, so I, th- I think that's probably uh, O.G. Wasp. Hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, Nadia.
2: That's right, Nadia, Nadia is her name. Yep. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, so, possibly Janet Van Dyne. Kazar and uh, Ken Hale, the Gorilla Man of Agents of Atlas.
0: Well, we were wondering where he was, and now we know.
2: Yep, he's just continuing to kick it in Africa. And uh, this series is uh, written by Jim Zub, uh, with art by Land Medina.
0: They're going team heavy over uh, over at uh, at Marvel of late.
2: Mm, yeah, infinite combinations.
0: Mm-hmm. Got a Roger Stern written. Ron Lim drawn Avengers Loki Unleashed. What is Just that? noticed
2: that as you were bringing it up, and I think I'd be hard put to not to, to buy that issue. Actually,
0: yep, it's on page thirty eight, by the way. And that—that that is an actual all new adventure. That is not a reprint.
2: Excellent, new Roger Stern Avengers. Yeah, I think I've got to count me in for that. Yep.
0: Let's see if we're dis- what our discount is and. Uh, Solid forty percent off discount on DCBS for two ninety
1: nine. Excellent.
0: Page forty one. I, I, I'm I'm way behind, and I haven't I haven't even read most of the series. But just for the fact that the current arc of Captain America is called the Legend of Steve, like <laughs> 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 it's just it's, it, for some reason that just hits me. It's oh, like it's like
2: the oh. Legend of Steve
0: exactly exactly you're looking for something grandiose no it's the legend of Steve (laughs) Uh, and uh, I am caught up to uh, whatever the most recent issue of Immortal Hulk is on Marvel Unlimited so I'm I think about about six months behind everybody else now but I uh, cannot wait to read more and issue 23 is solicited on page 43
2: yeah, I think an extended discussion probably needs to that at some point. Oh, definitely. Possibly even a book of the month style format. Well,
0: we've got uh, got plenty of uh, good looking uh, book book of the month options to come. That's for sure.
2: But I do think we need to jump to something non-Marvel. Yes. Uh, let's see. We've got some uh, uh, the one dollar True Believer issues from Marvel are all uh, Hulk related this month. Including the first appearance of Hulk 2099, Silver Age story of Hulk vs. the Mirror Master, we've got uh, the first appearance of Red Hulk, and the first appearance of the totally unrelated tryout character Zemnu the Hulk, later renamed Zemnu the Titan, as seen in Journey into Mystery number 62. And that is the one that I am probably going to end up buying for a dollar.
0: Yep. And I believe that twenty ninety nine Unlimited is not happening. Uh, I believe they pulled oh, really? that. Yeah, I believe they pulled that solicitation after after it was in previews. I believe because of who wrote it. I thought I'd heard something about that because wasn't uh, wasn't the guy who wrote that, um, oh man. I'm now, now I'm blanking out his name. The guy the guy who created uh, uh, Prime uh, Gerard. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Gerard, Gerard
2: Jones. Jones. Yes,
0: yes, Gerard. Oh, Jones. yeah, I, I
2: hadn't realized he, he was the one who created Prime. Yeah, he's he became something of a controversial figure when he was found with child pornography on his computer. I think.
0: I believe so. Yes, yeah. So i i I, I think I think they pulled that because of the the whole Gerard Jones thing and replaced it with a different issue. They they're actually replacing it with an it with a recent ish, a somewhat recent issue of Avengers. Uh, Avengers number 684, the first appearance of the Immortal Hulk in Avengers, mm. in Avengers No Surrender.
2: Uh, right, I was kind of thinking that, that was where they were going with that. Yep. It's, it's it's a good choice. It, it's a recent uh, you know, milestone issue. Yep. And I think it makes a little more sense than the first appearance of Hulk 2099.
0: I would agree with you. We have uh, Ultron Agenda beginning uh, in uh, Iron Man number 16, co-written by Dan Slott and Jim Zub been a while since we've seen Ultron, and uh, looks like he is going to be tackling uh, Tony Stark's world in a big way in this upcoming story arc.
2: Yeah, it says here that uh, yeah, there's a worldwide revolt by uh, androids and artificial intelligences, led not by Ultron, but by Machine Man. Oh, that's that's ha-
0: tantalizing. I yeah, haven't seen that name was, in a while, either.
2: Yeah, Jocasta, yeah, who is uh, kind of... Uh, Machine Man's uh, life partner for a little bit there, originally built by Ultron to be his life partner. Uh, She's been a supporting character in the Iron Man book for a while now, so her her psycho X showing up in Iron Man makes a good bit of sense. So I expect uh, Slot and Zub to throw us a bit of a curveball as to what Ultron's actual role in this story is going to be. Well, for my money, the big news in the Spider-Man corner of the catalog is uh, on the unnumbered page 56... Spider-Man Going Big, yeah. uh, written by Jerry Conway, Eric Larson, and more, with art by Mark Bagley, Eric Larson, and more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... yeah. This is a 48-page one-shot, and I'm pretty sure it's new content.
0: Yeah. Eric Larson's first return to the to the character in years and years and years. Plus, they mentioned that it's—and I, I don't know exactly how they're counting this, but it's a, apparently— the two hundred and fiftieth issue of Miles Morales comics.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know how that could possibly be true.
0: Yeah, that's why I'm trying to I'm trying to figure it out here. Uh, hmm. But okay, <laughs> Miles Morales Spider-Man number ten. Uh, maybe, maybe it's the two hundred and fiftieth issue of Ultimate Spider-Man. Maybe that's the way they're re- they're reading it. Combination. That,
2: that could easily be,
0: yeah. Yeah, combination of Miles' books and the original Ultimate Spider-Man. I'm just going to go with that and say that that's what they mean. Gorgeous cover on page 59 for Invisible Woman number three. Adam Hughes knocked it out of the park with that one. Ah,
2: enough said. And another FF news. Back on page 57, there's a new arc starting in the Fantastic Four's regular book, still written by Dan Slott. It's called Point of Origin, and it's the Fantastic Four stepping back into their roles as uh, cosmic explorers and adventurers as they go to, quote, the one place in the universe the Fantastic Four have never been. Hmm. Sounds a bit like they're going to visit the site of the Big Bang.
0: That would be a place they haven't been that I know of, yeah. Or Galactus's Head.
2: (laughs) Well... It's like I kind of think Galactus or whatever cosmic egg Galactus hatched from was at one point located back at the epicenter of the Big Bang. And I'm pretty sure Galact. If, if I'm right, and they are going there, um, I would bet Galactus is going to be involved in the story in some way at some point.
1: Hmm.
0: They have a couple of facsimile additions uh, that uh, cost more than a dollar solicited. So Marvel's doing it, too. Mm-hmm. So let's, let, let's point out not just DC, but Marvel, too. They are charging $5 for Daredevil 181. Uh, go right ahead. <laughs> uh, same with Spider-Woman number one, that's $4, and Son of Satan, Marvel Spotlight number 12, that the first appearance of Damon Hellstrom, for $4. Yep, it's
2: very fair and balanced of you, Ian, to point out that Marvel is pulling some of the same crap DC is.
0: Gotta call a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. Too right you do you do. For anybody who's a fan of Chip Zdarsky writing Spider-Man, it looks like he will be crossing over with Zdarsky's uh, Daredevil in uh, Daredevil number eleven on page sixty-seven.
2: Yeah, look at that! Well, page sixty-nine. Something big is happening to Doctor Strange, so big that they're using it as an excuse to end the current series at issue number twenty.
0: Yeah, well, I think I think that may just be Mark Wade leaving the title and then deciding to to move on from there because Wade tends to have his runs uh, only be about 20 issues or so on, on on characters these days and I don't mind it that way I think he manages to get uh, get his stories across and then he can go ahead and move on to somebody else in the Marvel Universe But uh, oh
2: yeah well, really 20 issues is really longer than the average uh, creator run on a title these days so that is true all in favor of that just giving us as much Wade as he can give us of himself while uh, remaining fresh and then By all means, move on to the next challenge.
1: Yep.
0: And then on page uh, 72, Runaways number 25, a new era of uh, the Eisner-nominated Runaways, begins with issue 25. As they get approached by a mysterious figure with an offer to form a new super team to protect Los Angeles. So they might be going legit. Well, it's about
2: time. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's see. Page seventy-six. We've got the latest in the series of uh, Peter David-written "Prodigal Son" comics. It's oh, chapter three of three. Okay, so we've we've got a one-shot teaming the Prodigal Son with the Silver Surfer, and I think the Fantastic Four, and now uh, the Guardians take a turn. Yep. So it's basically a, a mini-series, and here's the concluding issue. It's written by Peter David. That's that, that's pretty much enough for us. <laughs>
0: Sure is, and then uh, page 77, uh, final issue of the Thanos miniseries that Teenie Howard has been, and Ariel Olivetti has been work, have been working on the past couple of months.
2: Okay, some more acts of evil annuals coming out from Marvel, which as you pointed out last month, definitely has nothing to do with DC's Year of the Villain event.
0: No, of course not.
2: Uh page 83, we've got an Alpha Flight one-shot, True North, number one, containing a few short stories. Featuring uh, Marvel's highest-profile Canadians and Sinkevich reunite for a new New Mutants story set back in the days of the classic '80s lineup.
0: That's a match made in heaven, right there! I, I that's wow! I wasn't expecting uh, that announcement at all. Claremont and Sinkevich—that's mm-hmm. that's that's classic. I think I heard also that they may be doing a an Alpha Flight uh, series, so I'm wondering if this. Uh, if this is the springboarding into that.
2: Mm, just like wet people's appetite for the characters again? Yep. Oh, well, very good. And well, if that new series appears, I will I will go for it. I think I'm probably going to skip this uh, one shot. Uh, and yeah, Alpha Flight ongoing, I'd be up for that. Page 93,
0: Star Wars 71 and 72. All I need to see is, wait, Luke robs a bank?
2: <laughs> yep, <laughs> enough said yeah. Honestly, I, I I don't even look at what at the plot descriptions for the Star Wars series anymore. As long as the creative team is somebody I recognize and trust, I'm just going to continue buying the Star Wars series because it's you know through a variety of creative turnover, it's been strong throughout.
0: And I see speaking of creators, that Tom Taylor is covering all 3 of the uh Age of Resistance one-shots. Uh, he's doing Rey, Kylo Ren and Snoke. So any of you people who have wanted to know more about Supreme Leader Snoke, you may find out more in this issue with art by Leonard Kirk and Tom Taylor on the writing.
2: Or you may not. You yep. never know. Oh, and Rose
0: uh, Tico as well. How about that?
2: Yep. Same creative team. Mm-hmm. I guess that brings us about to the end of the uh, new material. Yep. Anything you'd like to highlight under the collections?
0: Uh, let's see. They got new collections of Bendis' Daredevil, volumes one and two of the hardcovers there, so that's pretty cool. And then, other than that, there is an Omnibus collection on page 111, which won't be available until January of 2020. So it's an advanced solicitation, but oh boy, what an advanced solicitation. Incredible Hulk by Peter David, Omnibus, volume one. Collecting. Incredible Hulk, 328, 331 to 368, Web of Spider-Man number 44, Fantastic Four 320, and material from Marvel Comics Presents 26 and 45.
2: That is 1,000 pages of comics for $125. Yep. And you know what? They're going to need a lot of omnibuses to get through there because Peter David on the Hulk is one of the longest runs by any creator on any character in the history of the medium,
0: <laughs> that is true. That is very true, and uh, and the pencilers that started off with him here. I mean, come on, Dwayne Turner, Todd McFarlane, John Ridgway, Eric Larson, Jeff Purves, Dan Reed, Dale Keown, Sam Keith, and Ke- and Keith Pollard, and Herb Trumpy and Alex Seviuk. Come on, <laughs> that's quality right there.
2: Yeah, Peter David took huge leaps and bounds to revitalize that character after many years of, well, arguable stagnation. Yep. And the Grey so,
0: the, the Hulk was a way to do that. Mm. And uh, there's a collection, a hardcover collection, of all 12 issues of uh, and Ahmed's Black Bolt series, which is going to be available uh, January of 2020 as well, under advanced soliciting. And I think... I think that's about it on collections for me. There really isn't a lot to spotlight this month. But, uh, Murray, if you have anything else, go right ahead.
2: Uh, well, Chris uh, would faint dead away if we didn't mention that towards the back of this section, I can't give you price uh, page numbers. 128 and 129, roughly. Uh, they're soliciting the trade for the Spider Man life story in these series. Yep. By Zarsky and Bagley.
0: And that will be on sale October 2019, so go ahead and bookmark an episode of CGS Book of the Month for around that time. <laughs> <laughs> Just read issue five, actually, before we sat down to record, and hoo boy. <laughs>
2: it's a gut puncher, huh? Uh,
0: yeah, it, it most definitely is. They go beyond comparison to try to make every era feel like that era in one way or another, and by including certain villains for, for each era, they do that. And uh, 2000 uh, definitely did that, incorporating some, uh, some 2000s-era Spider-Man stuff and a couple of moments that just tugged at my heartstrings.
2: So uh, do we get Ezekiel or Moralun?
0: Uh, we do indeed, yep. And there's a uh, Civil War and a whole bunch of other stuff.
2: Oh. So as we get to see what a uh, 60-something Peter Parker, well, how he responds to the whole Civil War situation.
0: We do. And it's a, it's a, it's <laughs> wow. a very different scenario. And yeah, there's there, there's some stuff in this issue that I did not see coming in a very good way.
2: Mm. All right. All right. Now, I one tray that I'm actually going to be buying, and I don't really buy a whole lot of collections from Marvel or DC, um, but on page 145... Man-Wolf, the complete collection. (laughs) Yes, if Chris were here, I'd ask him to imitate the uh, blood-curdling howl of the Man-Wolf from that uh, Power Records album that he's he's always talking about that he had as a kid. Uh, But this is a collection of uh, a whole mess of uh, John Jameson as Man-Wolf stories from those uh, horror-happy days of Marvel in the 70s. Amazing Spider-Man, number 124, 125, Um, a whole run of issues of Creatures on the Loose, Uh, a couple issues of Marvel Premiere featuring uh, John Jameson as the Star God. Somehow he goes from uh, rampaging werewolf to uh, sword and sorcery in space. (laughs) Had an interesting attempt at a rebrand there. And a bunch of other odds and ends thrown in as well. So from people like Jerry Conway, Mark Wolfman, Doug Monk, Tony Isabella, there's some artwork by John Burns, some artwork by George Perez, some artwork by Gil Kane. Talented folks telling stories about this silly astronaut werewolf. I do tend to have a soft spot for Marvel's monster characters, and so I'm going to be adding that one to my little mini bookshelf of those uh, creature compendia.
0: Well done. Right underneath that, by the way, I'm glad to see that Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane is going back into print. Uh... Now, yeah. that, was a, that was a solid gem of the, of the mid-2000s. And uh, uh, Sean McKeever with pencils by Takeshi Miyazawa, uh, collecting issues 4 through 13 of the digest size Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. So anybody who hasn't checked it out is well worth checking out.
2: Heck of a nice guy, Sean McKeever.
0: Yes, he is. And that's it for Marvel.
2: All right. So the time has come then to tackle the rest of the book.
0: Bum, boom, boom,
2: And that usually means dynamite entertainment. All right, so they're leading off with a, uh, a Vampirella and Red Sonia ongoing series.
0: Interesting.
2: Yeah, not a miniseries, but ongoing. Written by uh, renowned colorist Jordi Belair uh, with art by Drew Moss. And this is another interesting recombination of the various licensed properties that uh, Dynamite happens to own.
0: And and as is the case with most Dynamite uh, issues, there's about 12 covers.
2: (laughs) Yes, there there they are. Building uh, Dynamite's uh, line of James Bond comics. Uh, They're doing an OGN adaptation of Live and Let Die. Uh, written by uh, Van Jensen, uh, building on the work of Ian Fleming. Art by Kuber Ball. That's a thing for fans of classic Bond.
0: They actually just announced a new Bond ongoing uh, that I'm sure will be in the previews, if not uh, this coming month, but the one after that that I'm looking um, forward yet to. Yet another thing.
2: Bond ongoing?
0: Yeah, this one's supposed to be a retelling. Uh, at, I think, uh, like a almost almost along the lines of that GI Joe series that I mentioned, like from the ground up, uh, James Bond. From what I'm hearing. So mm. we'll see what that's like.
2: Well, meanwhile, they're still publishing uh, their pre existing Greg Pak written James Bond 007 series, which is in the middle of a Goldfinger story. And uh, I don't see a solicitation for it this month, but there's also uh, Jeff Parker's uh, James Bond origin ongoing.
0: And page 190 uh, will, of course, mention, since we mentioned it last month, the death defying devil number two by Gail Simone.
2: Still buying that. Excellent. you on page 196, the third issue of uh, Christopher Priest writing Vampirella. I'm pretty sure Chris is still buying that, and so am I. are uh, collect- 200. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead again. I
0: was just going to say, I'm on 199, right before what you were about to say. They're collecting okay. the trade paperback of Army of Darkness Bubba Hotep. So, so if, you, if you want to- <laughs> Two, two different characters played by the same guy. Try Army of Darkness, Bubba Hotep.
2: <laughs> oh. All right. And following that up on page 200, there is an oversized hardcover available in either standard or autographed editions of Kieran Gillen's take on the classic uh, Charlton Comics character, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. Uh, I think it's about uh, five issues worth of content.
0: Nice word to boom.
2: Boom, boom, da-boom.
0: Well, right away, go nuts on page 212.
2: Uh, well, this is really more of a Shane or Brian go nuts kind of situation. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, a 12-issue maxi-series tying into uh, uh, The Dark Crystal, specifically uh, Age of Resistance, the hit Netflix series, <laughs> uh, which I, I'm not mistaken has not premiered yet, so little optimistic to be referring to it as a hit so soon, but it's one that uh, Henson geeks are certainly looking forward to. It's actually going to involve some puppetry. And uh, here's a 12-issue tie-in written by Nicole Andelfinger with illustrations by Matthias Basla coming at you from Boom Studios in September.
0: Very cool. 214... For the name alone, well not just for the name alone, and, and James Tinney in the fourth is writing it, so that's what also interests me, but something is killing the children. Number numbers one of five. You have to say it like that. It, something is killing the children, you know. Uh,
2: Sounds like an NBC movie of the week from the eighties. It does.
0: <laughs> great. We great. We've had an animated series from the eighties and now we have a movie of the week. So I think I think I think we're we're batting a thousand. This is an all-new limited series about staring into the abyss to find your worst fears staring back. When the children of Archer's Peak begin to go missing, everything seems hopeless. Most children never return, but the ones that do have terrible stories. That's some good horror right there.
2: Mm-hmm. I like the looks of the uh, protagonist. You know, uh, with the uh, monster face bandana and the sharp sword.
0: Yeah, I dig it too. off on DCBS. Yes, it is. (laughs) They're not fooling me again on Angel. I am not going to mention it.
2: (laughs) Good for you. (laughs)
0: Uh, But I will mention, on page 220, uh, Cecil Castellucci is a name that keeps coming up. But this is a girl on film, an original graphic novel softcover. Uh, chronicling the life of award-winning young adult novelist and Iser nominated comic scribe C- Cecil Castellucci. So it's all about her uh, her-, her life. It's a full uh, graphic novel memoir. Hmm.
2: Now, right until this moment, I had no idea that Cecil Castellucci was a woman. Well, there you go. <laughs> hmm. It's one of those innocuous names that pronounced... could go either way. It yeah. could be Cecile, I guess, if she's of European extraction.
0: True. I've always said Cecil, so I'm not I, I I could be I could be wrong.
2: Yeah, we yeah, we have both been saying Cecil this whole time, but yeah. now we know that it's a female Cecil.
0: Exactly. But I like the look of the art and would like to know more about her.
2: Well, this is a bio comic, so this is a perfect opportunity. Oh wow, so it touches not only on Star Wars but on fame starring Irene Cara? Well, well, well.
0: Okay then. <laughs>
2: Ooh. Well, we've got uh, oh an Art Baltazar book on pages 226 and 227. Apparently uh, without input from Franco this time around, but uh, it's called Drew and Jot, and it's an original hardcover graphic novel starring Drew and Jot, a uh, superhero and his pet dog. Um, the subtitle is Dueling Doodles, and uh, that pretty much says it all. It's uh, the art, it's just a Art's signature. Art style, uh, just uh, some light-hearted, uh, all-age appropriate uh, kitty superheroics.
0: and and mentioning all ages appropriate and her- and heroics, right above you on two twenty-five, Rugrats: The Last Token, one token to rule them all. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rugrats, and I'm happy to see them continuing in one form or another.
2: Notice how similar the word token is to the name Tolkien.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Me, me thinks it was on purpose.
2: Uh-huh. Me thinks the same way. Mm-hmm. Well, well, those of you Henson geeks out there who are eager for the uh, Dark Crystal uh, Maxi series, there's also uh, Jim Henson's The Storyteller uh, prose project um, here on page 234, uh, including some stunning new illustrations to go with it. It's uh, nine folk folktales uh, inspired by uh, the. Uh, Jim
0: Henson uh, is the, the storyteller. Very cool. Actually, actually, just finished watching. Uh, there's a, a a YouTube channel that was going through the uh, the history of, uh, of of Jim Henson and and his many projects over the years. Uh, sort of like a mini series based on uh, on him. It was called. Uh, the, it's the YouTube channel Defunct Land. And they had a, a little, like a like a six episode miniseries as part of their defunct TV, uh, where they went through the history of, of Jim Henson from start to
2: finish. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I think I've seen uh, the the Sesame Street chapter of that uh, coming up on my YouTube screen.
0: It is very possible. We got on page two thirty seven the soft cover collection of Adventure Time season eleven. For anybody looking for a continuation to the story after uh, where we left off on the animated series, that's volume one of that collection. And it looks like we'll be continuing.
2: All right. So Adventure Time fans can still get their fix. Yes, we can. Anything else to be said about Boom?
0: Nah, I think uh, think we boomed.
2: All right, then. Let the aftershocks carry us on to the rest of the rest of the book.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Dave Sim uh, has a uh, a book on page two forty six Iron Manticore. Gee, I wonder what they're parodying. <laughs> I could take a guess. Yeah, the the, co- the cover uh, goes whole hog into the drunkenness of Iron Man, and it looks like the uh, the one shot itself is very much uh, leaning heavily into that.
2: Yep, churning out some clever pastiches these days is Dave Sim. Yes, he
0: is.
1: All right.
2: Uh, for fans of the artwork of Charlie Adler, who are uh, still reeling from the news of the cancellation of The Walking Dead, uh, here's a thing from a company called Ablaze LLC called Vampire State Building. And it's kind of a horror action story about uh, somebody who's trapped in a skyscraper filled with vampires. And it is drawn by Charlie Adler.
1: So
0: he's just straight up moving on from uh, from zombies to vampires. Good for him.
2: Yeah. Just... Uh... Moving on to Harder Monsters.
0: Gotta love Cover D in that, by the way. The late 80s, early 90s Marvel uh, send-off.
2: Yeah, that looks very Infinity Gauntlet-ish. Yes, it is. All right. Under Abstract Studios on page 254, the fourth issue of Five Years by Terry Moore, which is like a, a jam book crossing over characters from a bunch of different Terry Moore series. Bring that up, lest people forget that it's being published.
0: Any idea how is- how many issues it's supposed to run?
2: Uh, none at all. All right. <laughs> but, uh, at least four. Ha-ha. Uh, right. And something from Action Lab Entertainment that I've got to bring up. Uh, page 255. We have got uh, an original trade paperback uh, called Lifted of Gods and Thieves. Now, this is something that uh, has its origins in a Kickstarter campaign. I just this very afternoon received my copy of this in the mail. Nice. And it's a story that's got, uh, it's a CGS family affair. There are some old school comic geek speak listeners and forum personalities involved in this. It was created by our old friend Sean Pryor um, with input from uh, Keith Cunningham, who used to post on the forums as Warple Keith. It was written, it doesn't say so here, but it was written by Chris Murren. Who still frequents the forums from time to time? So he is the writer on this uh, art by uh, John Rodriguez and Uko Smith. And uh, it tells the story of uh, pro- professional thief uh, Sarah Jackson, uh, who has a high tech bodysuit that allows her to teleport short distances. And she uses this to, to heist uh, a few uh, ancient Egyptian artifacts, which puts her. Uh, in the crosshairs of not only a sinister uh, cult with ties to ancient Egypt, but also a sinister council of cosmic beings who have a vested interest in these uh, powerful artifacts that Sarah has stolen. So it's uh, kind of uh, some 21st century uh, Indiana Jones action with some um, metaphysical consequences. And it's written and drawn by – well, well written at least um, and edited by some old familiar faces from the old days of comic geek Speak. Uh, so if you've been around the podcast long enough to remember who Sean Fryer, Chris Murren, and uh, Keith Cunningham are, do us all a favor and uh, pick up uh, Lifted of Gods and Thieves through Sean's Action Lab Entertainment. It'll set you back uh, not quite $10, nice. especially if you order it from uh, dcbservice.com.
0: Yeah, I unfortunately missed out on the Kickstarter as it was running, so I will gladly pick up a copy, uh, uh, if not from this previous catalog, then shortly thereafter, because... Uh, Sean is my boy and uh Keith and the rest and uh, I mean Chris Chris and all those guys I I've, I've been talking to them for years in one way or another and I'm happy to see it uh making its way over to the Action Lab stable and I will gladly pick it up and uh also I I will never forget Sean sitting in a hotel room with 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 me and Raph and a bunch of others having one of my favorite comic timing recordings of all time. Uh, after uh, after Super Show, one one year, mm. it was classic good times. Yeah, pure magic. Amen to that. I'm gonna do uh, aftershock on page two sixty two. Uh, Midnight Vista number one. Uh, Elliot Rahal is the writer with Clara Meath on art. Uh, It's uh, about uh, Oliver Flores and his stepfather, Nomar Perez, uh, who uh, were turning right onto Midnight Vista Road when they were both abducted by aliens. Now, years later, a fully grown Oliver walks back into town. He has been returned, and he remembers everything. Very interesting concept, and I I love the cover. Quite the setup. Yep. Art looks pretty cool, too, on the adjoining page on 263 vibrant colors and uh very descriptive art i i mean this in the in the most positive way possible murd but i immediately thought of you when i thought of you are obsolete <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes i i understand what you're saying <laughs> not that i personally am I'm obsolete but no. that this this concept might possibly appeal to me
0: yes definitely for a man as, as much of an aficionado of, uh, of, of old technology as you, I, uh, I think this might be right up your alley.
2: <laughs> yeah, plus, it claims to, quote, evoke the eerie naturalism of 1970s horror films. Yes. So, The Omen, Children of the Corn, etc.
0: On uh, page 270, they're soliciting volume one of uh, Stronghold written by Phil Hester. That's a name uh, with a uh, very strong cachet for me. I've always loved his uh, his art, and his and his writing has been great over the years as well. Uh, Ryan Kelly did the artwork on this as well, so it collects the uh, first five issues of uh, this ongoing series, Stronghold, he's been working on.
2: Yeah. Another interesting uh, premise here. Uh, the central character appears to be a superhuman being who is somehow i uh, been brainwashed into believing that he's an average person living out an average life. And uh, this is the story of how he uh, returns to his memory and power and uh, just in time to fight off some big bad guy called the adversary.
0: It's hmm. so kind of uh, kind of a little bit of a total recall action going on. Mm-hmm.
2: on uh, uh, okay, well, what do you got, Ian?
0: 274, I got. You got anything before that?
2: Nope. Actually, that's where I was headed to, but go ahead.
0: Okay, uh... Were you going to talk about Pug Davis, or were you going to talk about something else on that page?
2: Actually, I, I was going to mention Pug Davis and then throw it immediately to you. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, for for Stephen Universe fans. Uh, this is created by Rebecca Sugar, who also created Steven Universe. Yep.
0: Yeah, and uh, this is this is a lot of her uh, her her early uh, comic book work uh, being being collected into into one trade paperback here, and uh, seems to have that same. Uh, same general style and, and wit that uh, that Rebecca Sugar is known for on, on Steven Universe. I'm wondering what her early stuff looks like and may give it a shot just for that.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: And then on 275 from Albatross Funny Books, we've got Eric Powell of the Goons annual Spook House Halloween special. You know, on Rich Witch's Brew of Horror and Humor.
0: When I'm 279. There's a new Casper's Haunted Halloween number one.
2: Yep. Uh, written and drawn by nobody in particular, apparently.
0: Exactly, because who cares about who writes and draws something as long as we solicit it?
2: <laughs> because we're American mythology.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: boy. Yep. They've got their hands on some pretty decent properties, but I just I'm a little leery of the way they do business.
1: Yeah. That's
2: all I can say.
0: Yep. I do have something on 280. Nancy, the Olivia James collection, volume one. Uh, Olivia James became the first woman to write and illustrate the classic comic strip Nancy in 2018, and I love what she's been doing with the character. Uh, it's 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 breathed new life into into a uh, you know a comic strip that's existed for years and years and years. And I I love sharing them on Facebook. I love you know coming across them whenever I do. Um, and I'm glad to see them collected here in uh, in uh, one hardcover collection. So Nancy, the Olivia James Collection, Volume 1, on page 280.
2: Hmm. Well, you have instantly piqued my interest there, Ian. And I don't think I'm going to lay down however much money DCBService.com is asking for this hardcover, but uh, I am inspired to seek out a couple of strips online.
0: Yep, definitely. It's actually 45% off on DCBS for eight twenty four.
2: Right, next thing I've got to mention is uh, clear up on page 287. Yeah, we have got a heavy hitter coming out from Archie. Cut off the success of uh, Archie 1942. Uh, we've got uh, Archie 1955 uh, from the same creative team. It's, uh, we're rolling with uh, Art uh, Mark Wade and Brian Augustine. And this time the art is by Tom Grummet. And it's going to be a slightly more upbeat story this time. Rather than Archie and the Riverdale gang coping with the horrors of World War II, Instead, um, we're um, Arch- this is going to be like the the first iteration of the Archies. <laughs> Archie uh, diving into the uh, the the morning days of rock and roll. So we've got the uh, guitar hero Archie. Yeah, it's, it, it, this is a fantastic creative team. I'm definitely buying this miniseries. And if Wade and Augustine and whatever artistic uh, partners they come up with want to continue doing one of these miniseries for each decade between the '40s and the present, uh, they can just count me in
1: yeah
0: and uh especially with tom Grummet uh, on on art I'm a huge Tom Grummet fan you mm-hmm. ready you already got yes, yes. mark Mark Wade on there you had him too I'm sold mm-hmm. I can go all the way down to three oh one so if you got anything in between there, be my guest
2: no, just go ahead and jump in all right so
0: i I wanted to bring bring up the big finish audio uh for a moment just because i I realized. Uh, after the fact, it was pointed out to me uh, on on Facebook where I'd heard the name David Warner before when I was when I was bringing up on the uh, on our top five episode, uh, you know who who had played uh, Ray Ghul in the Batman the Animated Series. I knew him from the Big Finish uh, uh, audio dramas from Doctor Who, where he actually played the Doctor. He played a variant of the Doctor in multiple uh, Big Finish audio dramas. So that's that's uh, you know a bit a bit more history. On on him uh, to to add to the uh, to add to the name that I couldn't quite think of where I knew him from, but that was where mm. I knew him from. Um, and and the reason that I uh, that I point this out is uh, they actually have more from the Eighth Doctor adventures on page three hundred one. So if you wanted to hear more, Paul McGann, a man who only got to play the Doctor twice, uh, once in a uh, in the Fox movie and once in uh, a short. Right before the uh, the big uh, crossover special for Doctor Who, then uh, you can read you can listen to more of his uh, uh, adventures as a Doctor right there on page three hundred one, the Eighth Doctor Time War Series
2: three, starring Paul McGann himself. That is something that I think would have interested Jamie very much. Yep, definitely. Now, next thing I'll mention is on page three fifteen. Uh, we're under Comic Mix. We've got some uh, some more Peter David material. It's uh, the second volume of Soul Searchers and Company uh, in omnibus form, collecting uh, issues 13 through 24 of that series, originally published by Claypool Comics uh, way back when, those magical days of the 90s. It's an interesting, funny concept. It's it's, um, the is. Solicit gives you all the background you need. A former Olympic athlete with an enchanted vaulting pole, a cocksure Arabian fire demon, a CPA with a magic bag, an apprentice witch, a boy who changes into monsters, they're detectives. Duh. (laughs) And (laughs) during my recent trip out uh, to the West Coast for the Emerald City Con, I took along the first volume of Soul Searchers and Company. And uh, it's it's, uh, co-written by Peter David and Richard Howell uh, with some uh, very early artwork by uh, Amanda Connor when she was just starting to break into the biz, she, she wasn't the only artist on this. I think I want to say Jim Mooney came in and took over for her eventually. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it was uh, fairly funny stuff, but uh, well, a, a little spoofier than I was expecting. You know, a lot of the stories just kind of degenerate into a very broad burlesque meta commentary on the state of the comic industry or pop culture and general at the time. So, yeah, your mileage may vary. It's funny, but it doesn't have, uh, the, the, greatest story value. Hmm. Oh. also not mentioned in the solicit, uh, soul Searchers and company is actually owned, uh, by a man who has been mystically transformed into a hamster.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> That's a hairy situation. A talking
2: hamster. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it is indeed a hairy situation. And, uh, Yep, he, he continues to act like the boss, but because he's a small rodent, uh, nobody listens to a word he says. Nice. So, yeah, it's just uh, Peter David getting to cut loose a little bit uh, with um, a great deal of help from his co-scriptor, Richard Howell, who, it's safe to say, is not as talented as Peter David himself.
0: <laughs> I got uh, on page 317 a series of books uh, written by Brad Meltzer with art by Chris Eliopoulos. Uh, these are for, for kids they are a series of uh, of biographical books. Uh, I am brave, a little book about Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, I am caring, a little book about Jane Goodall. Uh, I am Marie Curie, and I am Walt Disney. And uh, again, all being worked on on Brad Mel- by Brad Meltzer with Chris Eliopoulos on art. Uh, that's kind of awesome. <laughs>
2: it's not a project I ever thought I'd see Brad Meltzer's name attached to, but there it is.
0: Yep we got a, a reference book on page 319. The Marvel book, Expand Your Knowledge of a Vast Comics Universe by Stephen Wyachek. And it looks like it just goes through mm-hmm. uh, as many Marvel characters and the history behind them as it can possibly fit into one book.
2: Sure. Uh, one thing under Fantagraphics that uh, caught my eye, Uh, Page 328. Uh, I think this is a a prose book, actually. I don't think there's any um, artwork involved, necessarily. Uh, Zapped by the God of Absurdity, The Best of Paul Krasner. A collection of Paul Krasner's writing that functions both as a retrospective and a memoir. Hmm. Talks about his interactions with people like Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, Johnny Cochran, Larry Flint, Squeaky Fromm, Charles Manson, and Robin Williams, Not to mention the time he took an acid trip with Groucho Marx. (laughs) Wowee.
0: That's the weirdest thing I ever heard.
1: (laughs) Said the secret word.
0: (laughs) Swordfish. 332. I got one. Uh... Stargazing, uh, written and drawn by Jen Wang. Looks like a cute story about uh, about two kids uh, who didn't think they have anything in common until uh, uh, one of them moves next door to the other. And uh, they become best friends, uh, sharing their favorite music videos and painting their toenails uh, and uh, moon then tells Christine her dark, her deepest secret when she has visions, sometimes, of celestial beings who speak to her from the stars. Add, the, add, that, in, add, add that in for, for, some, for some added, uh, you know, uh, fantasy value there or, or supernatural value.
1: Well,
2: if I was in the age bracket for that book, that is exactly what it would take for me to pick it up. Yep. So... Good creative choice there, Gen Wang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, something I'll mention on page 346 uh, under Humanoids, um, a book called Muse, written by uh, Denis Pierre Philippi, and art by Terry Dodson. And that's the main reason I'm mentioning this for nice. uh, fans of Terry Dodson's work is this is getting published through the uh, European publisher Humanoids, and it's a uh, kind of a, hmm, looks like a kind of a Victorian. Uh, Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a Victorian fantasy tale. Yeah, it's about... Uh, hmm. uh, if I'm reading this solicitation copy correctly, uh, it's about a naughty governess in Victorian times who uh, <laughs> uh, gets drawn into the strange and surprising world of the, 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 the mansion uh, where uh, her employers dwell and uh, whose nocturnal ambiance seems so amenable for very strange dreams... It's drawn by Terry Dodson is my main point here. So if you're fans of his artwork, this is a different kind of context in which to experience it.
0: Most definitely. We got on page uh, 356. Uh, it's called Witchy. It started off as a webcomic uh, about five years ago, and, uh, and now it's being collected in full here. Uh, in the Witch Kingdom Hyalin, the strength of your magic is determined by the length of your hair. Those that are strong enough are, co- are conscripted by the witch guard who enforce the law in peacetime and protect the land during war. However, those with hair judged too long are pronounced enemies of the kingdom and annihilated. This is called a witch burning. Very fascinating concept. And uh, the art is, uh, is youthful and vibrant. So digging that in uh, Ariel Slamet Reese is the writer and illustrator of Witchy.
2: Mm. All right. Next thing I've got uh, is all the way up under Oni Press. Go ahead. Uh, It's on page 373. It's one of those Rick and Morty presents one shots uh, that Oni puts out from time to time. And this one is uh, a flashback to an earlier point in the life of Rick Sanchez uh, when he uh, was in a band along with his friends Bird Person and Squanchy. The band was called The Flesh Curtains. They were deliberately terrible. And uh, they were out to shock rock the galaxy with their terrible music. And uh, this is this one shot uh, looks at that uh, earlier point in Rick's life. And I think I can bring myself to uh, purchase and read that story. <laughs> I, I I had just
0: I had just gotten to that page as you were saying it. And I'm glad you mentioned it because, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I'm not I haven't seen anything that's really like in the past of Rick and Morty yet. And it's it's nice to go a little bit further into that. Mention again on uh, page 406, it's issue three of the Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2019 ongoing by Michael Green and Mike Johnson. So anybody who uh, was intrigued by it, we mentioned it two previews ago, it's still going. All right.
2: Um, let me just jump back real quick to page 393. Um, And actually a few pages after that, uh, Frank Miller is apparently uh, writing and drawing uh, a young reader's uh, graphic novel, or illustrated prose, excuse me, but uh, he's providing illustrations for it. Uh, It's called Cursed, and it's a a, uh, female-centric feminist retelling of the Arthurian myth in which uh, a young woman uh, uh, named Nimue, which is a name that comes right out of the Arthurian cycle, Uh, she was supposed to be the uh, wicked nymph that uh, lured Merlin away and locked him up for, like, centuries. Uh, But here, Nimue is the name of the main character. She's the one who's bearing Excalibur. Arthur is just like a a roguish young mercenary. Um, So it's a very decentered retelling of, of the classic King Arthur story. And it's brought to us by Frank Miller, trying something a little bit different. And it's going to be a Netflix original series soon. (laughs) Because everything is. (laughs) Hello, this is Netflix. Your series has been approved.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I hadn't heard of this. And just the idea of Frank Miller writing a book for kids is kind of a little scary. uh, But... (laughs) But hopefully, hopefully it proves me wrong. Hopefully, it turns out mm-hmm. great.
2: Yeah, it's moving in a slightly different direction for him, but maybe he'll surprise us.
0: Well, well, didn't we? Uh, I mean, wasn't there a couple of a couple of issues ago? A uh, previews uh, wasn't wasn't there a uh, uh, a a, a uh, Garth of, Ennis? Yeah, Garth Ennis. Thank you. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, Garth Ennis having mm-hmm. uh, having an all an all ages book. So I guess I guess these uh, these creators are getting more. Uh, cuddly in their old age. (laughs)
2: Maybe so. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they're they're kind of expanding their horizons and their skill sets a bit. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that was just last uh, month. Uh, I've forgotten what it's called, but uh, it was out through Dynamite. There we go. That Garth Ennis thing. Yep.
0: Got a Lovecraftian horror mystery out of Titan on page 408. Cromwell's Stone written and drawn by Andreas that's his only name. But uh, the last survivors of a mysterious voyage are disappearing in strange circumstances, and Cromwell Stone must solve the mystery before he joins them.
2: Hmm. Yeah, looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looks like a, like a 70s pulp fantasy.
0: Yes, it does. And ooh, if uh, if Mr. Eberly was with us, he'd be on page 412, talking about Alter Ego 161.
2: Full issue tribute to Stan, the man, Lee, and his contributions to comics. Roy, the boy, Thomas, writes on his more than 50-year relationship with Stan and shares 21st century emails from Stan, parenthesis, with his permission, of course, and parenthesis. Well, I certainly hope so. Yep with art by a whole lot of people who worked with Stan.
0: That sounds like it is made for Chris and made for me, for that matter. That, that, that may be an alter ego I pick up.
2: Yeah, something else Stan-related. Uh, back on page 399 under St. Martin's Press, A Marvelous Life, The Amazing Story of Stan Lee. Which is a biography of Stan, put together by uh, Marv- former Marvel employee Danny Fingeroth. Very cool. Oh, it looks like um, yeah, Tomorrow's has uh, put out a uh, history book about itself.
1: Hmm.
2: Also on page four twelve, the world of Tomorrow's celebrating twenty five years. Of the future of fandom. Wow! Here we go, turning their peerless uh, comics historian lens back on themselves for this book, edited by John B. Cook and John Morrow himself.
0: That's pretty cool. Good for them. It's hard to believe. Yeah. Wow. The twenty twenty five years of uh, of tomorrows mm-hmm. already.
2: Yeah. If I had made it to Heroes Con this year, I'm positive I would have heard a lot more about this because. Tomorrow's usually has a panel there, co-hosted or moderated by our friend Eric Nolan Wethington. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, sorry I missed uh, hearing about this, but we know now.
0: <laughs> and uh, for our uh, for our usual mention of uh, Valiant, I have something on four fourteen Bloodshot Number One by Tim Seeley and Brett
2: Booth. Hmm? very fitting creative team for that character
0: yeah yep. Tim Seeley uh, certainly has the uh, the you know the cred from Nightwing and Hack Slash and you know Brett Booth or Teen Titans and Batman Beyond and he'll be working on that uh, flash forward uh, Wally West book as well
2: yes so he will Um, It's an interesting-looking book on page 424. Uh, Star Trek, the official guide to the animated series hardcover. Oh, yes, this is the uh, Star Trek animated series. Um, um, uh, More or less complete history, which was presented in article form in the first issue of Tomorrow's Retro Fan Magazine. And I can remember watching episodes of this on uh, Nickelodeon back in my youth. It's something that I probably should have put on my alternates list for favorite animated series, come to think of it, uh, because it was put together by personnel, both actors and writers, who were involved with the live-action TV series. And it's, you know, it really was comparable in quality to the live-action series.
0: Sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I ever think of when I think of the, uh, the, uh, the Star Trek animated series. You, you say sabotage, I say sabotage, <laughs> but it, but it was, it was really, uh, yeah, the pedigree on that was, uh, was, was, was pretty positive as, as it was happening and, uh, very much served as a, almost like a full season of the, you know, Star Trek TV show, just an animated form. And that's, that, that that's what I liked about it.
2: Yeah, was able to tell some stories that uh, effects budgets uh, just didn't allow for for live action. Yep. And I think that brings us about to the end of uh, the American comic section. What have you to say about the manga offerings, Ian?
0: Well, uh, first thing I'll bring you to is on page four forty eight for the completionists in the room, Assassination Classroom, the complete box set. Now, uh, Assassination Classroom is one of the weirdest things I've ever watched. Um, it's, it's about a, uh, a, this like entity that comes down to earth and, uh, tells them that he's going to destroy the the world, uh, unless someone can kill him. And, uh, as part of, as part of the deal is, uh, he starts, uh, being a teacher at the school. And uh, and wh- while at the school, uh, everybody who is in that class is trying to kill him. They're 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 being taught to kill him, and they're trying to kill him. Um, and, and he's this this yellow blob with like with almost like tentacles for for legs. It's it's such a strange character design, and and yet at the same time, I love it. I own a freaking statue of it. Like that's that's how you know much that's how compelling of it it is for me. The manga is supposed to be great. Uh, the series, is, I, I know, is available on Hulu and a bunch of other places. Uh, but if, if you wanted to check that out in full, this would be the place to do it. And it was a Eisner Award nominee in 2016 for Best U.S. Edition of International Material. That is something. Uh, I also have uh, on page 449, The Way of the House Husband. <laughs> Former Yakuza legend leaves it all behind to become your everyday house husband. But it's not easy to walk away from the gangster life, and what should be mundane household tasks are anything but. Weird stuff like that always drags me in, and and, and this looks like it's 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 gonna, it's gonna be almost like great great teacher Onizuka level uh, fun. So I I will I will give that a go myself, the way of the house husband, and I think that's just about it. Just scrolling down a little bit more here. Yeah, nothing else really jumps out at me. So I, I think I think we've shot our bolt.
2: Mm. All right. Yeah, assassination classroom does sound like a truly bizarre reading experience.
0: Yes, it does, and 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 so does house husband for that matter, but in a different way. <laughs> mm. True that.
2: Yep.
1: There.
2: All right, and uh, nothing from the back of the book.
0: Uh, I, there rarely is, but I'll 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 take a quick look real quick. Yeah, just a whole bunch of shirts that I'm not going to buy because I don't have the money to. So I think I think that's just about it. You got anything
2: there? Seems to me there was a collection of uh, serial mascot minifigures that uh, looked interesting, but darn if I can remember what page they were on. And wouldn't you know, i neglected to dog ear it. <laughs>
0: Well, the, I, I'm just because I happen to be passing by it. Uh, there's a Batman the Animated Series opening sequence artifact statue that, if I had the money for it, would already be bought. It's on uh, it's on page M nine. It's it is striking just how beautiful this statue is. It's it's by Kodobakia, and I oh god they they get every single detail right about about the animated Batman.
2: Fantastic. Which was, after all, your number one choice. Yes, it was. Our recent top five ranking. Yep. And I, after much flipping, I still can't find those silly little (laughs) figurines I was talking about. So, never mind. All right. Oh, Oh. I just found them. They're on page M69. They are mini icons. Uh, It's got Bob's Big Boy, Bazooka Joe, a bunch of General Mills cereal mascots, including the classic monster characters and Lucky the Leprechaun. And also Kool-Aid Man, Mr. Owl from the Tootsie Pop commercials, the Jolly Green Giant and his apprentice Sprout, and uh, hostess characters. Twinkie the Kid, King Ding Dong, and Fruit Pie the Magician.
0: <laughs> How many licks does it take to get to page M69 of previews?
2: The world may never know because I just closed the
0: catalog. <laughs> And and just because I happen to be on it, by the way, uh, M10 had a whole bunch of pop finals for season three of uh, Stranger Things, and uh, it is easily my favorite season of the series.
2: Mm. Yep, I have not watched past the first season, but uh, sooner or later, sooner or later I will.
0: Yep, and sooner or later, we can remind people who our sponsor is.
2: Uh, Be delighted. Our episode sponsor is, as always for these previews episodes, the fine folks at Discount Comic Book Service. Get on over to DCBService.com, check out all their discounts, all their pre-ordering options, and uh, make them your uh, one-stop shop for your comic book pre-ordering needs.
0: Most definitely.
2: All right. Another wild and crazy ride comes to an end. If you'd like to send us an email, you can do so at comicgeekspeak at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a voicemail, you can call 267-702-6642. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at comicgeekspeak. You can go to the community.com uh, which is our forum presence, where you can leave some feedback about this episode and many other episodes of our podcast. Let us know what you're buying this month or what we talked about that resonated with you in this episode. Uh, We'd like to thank everyone who has donated to the show in the past. We appreciate it. The show would not be what it is today without your support. And as always, we reunite the world's mightiest hero, one listener at a time.
1: laser beast but the beast you read the come come I come 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 I come 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 the world mightiest heroes. this is come defeat
0: me You will not defeat me computer <laughs>